Hello, players who only play one class and at this point are too afraid to look at the others. And TMs who know how to build every MC from all of their favorite animes. Welcome to Table Talk. I'm Maddie Conway. And I am Robert Lopez. What's on the schedule for today, Robert? So, (laughs) if you listened to the last one, um, you know that we attempted to approach, like, the the behemoth monolith of a fucking topic that is character creation and, like, delusionally thought that we were going to get through a lot of it. Yeah, I don't know what our plan was going into this. Newsflash, we didn't. Uh, we got Thinking through... we would get through all of the classes and races and backstory mm-hmm. in an hour we and ten minutes. only got through races. Only yeah. got through races. So yeah. today is part two of character creation, and it's going to be just about classes. Um, it's probably going to be our longest episode yet, so, I mean, Strap you'll see in, it, I guess, folks. if you click on it. It's probably going to be around an, uh, an hour and 20. I think our longest so far has been an hour and 10, so have fun with that. An hour and 20 is a good benchmark to shoot for. We'll yep. see if we get there. So there are 14 classes uh, from Wizards of the Coast currently. Like, those are their core classes. There are 12 originally in the Player's Handbook. Um, there are close to 120 subclasses, although that yeah. number might just be off. Um, well, I it was a search to find because I was not mm-hmm. going to sit there individually and count every single subclass because yeah. that's insane. And but... subclasses get added all the time, too. Like, sometimes yeah. when they do, like, a content drop or a content addition, they add subclasses instead yeah. of because they haven't added a new class in fucking forever but the two new classes at the very end of the list which we'll not talk about but kind of hop to artificer and blood hunter are the newest ones blood mm-hmm. hunter is i'm pretty sure from critical role and it's yeah, like the pre- witcher it's, it's like the witcher yeah. kind of class artificer you make robots and then there's of course your core 12 barbarian bar cleric druid fighter monk paladin ranger rogue sorcerer warlock and wizard uh what is a class anyway a class is basically what type of character you are. So you've chosen your race, you know what race your character is, Mm -hmm. but a class is going to tell you how you function. Like if you use magic, what type of magic do you use? Where does that magic come from? If you just punch things Mm -hmm. and you're like some type of fighter, what type of fighting style are you doing? It's, uh, it's very much like, how do you fight? How do you roll? Uh, what what are the checks you're making? Mm-hmm. What kind of I guess role does your character fill if you're playing in a group? If you're playing in a very connected group, um, so yeah, your class in Five E is huge, and in my opinion, oh, yeah. it's a lot more important than your race uh, because you I mean you can get to something that we'll talk about much later called multiclassing, where you put in levels in, in multiple classes. But for your first time through, just do a regular class. I promise you it'll save you a headache. Yeah. But yeah, your class literally determines how you play for the rest of the game. Yeah. So uh, if you have a nice DM or just a lenient DM, like I like to be, I guess in <laughs> theory, uh, I like if you get 10 levels into a class and you're just absolutely fucking hating it, just ask for a hard reset and maybe do yeah. like a little character thing, like a respec and like yeah, a Skyrim like, or, or a Or even Fallout. just like your character just has like a come to God moment. And it could literally be a come to God moment yeah. because some of these classes have to do I'm with I'm switching like from Barbarian to Paladin. Yeah. Which and is not, mu- that honestly, not that much of a difference. <laughs> yeah. But like, I want to follow Jesus now. <laughs> I like... Is Jesus in? I'm sure Friday? there's an equivalent of somewhere. I mean, now that they've they've clarified that 5e has multiple planes and realms, I don't think he's, I don't think it, whatever, I don't think Jesus is like a part of their official Imagine just being like multiverse. Catholic in the D&D universe. You'd get fucking <laughs> punked so fast, dude, if you were like, listen, man, this guy who got nailed to a cross and lost, 
is going to come back and save us all. You would get fucking pwned so quick. That so sounds many like a people. D&D. Fi- like, that could fit into the universe. It does, but, like, outside of... I mean, let's... Mm, we're not going to get into religion. I have so many thoughts. But, like, at least, like, I don't know, uh, a fucking boar god and D&D Theros is going to give you, like, a bonus to your AC or your strength or whatever. You can call on them in, like, a moment. Unless you fucking believe in miracles on, like, real-world Earth... What is Jesus doing for you when you're about to die? Okay. Now, what's he doing, though? Does he give you pluses to AC? Does he make your skin thicker? Does he make you hit harder? Like, I guess if you believe enough in it, right? But that's every religion in D&D. So it'd just be interesting to see, like, where his niche fits in. No, I would... If anyone has home... I'm sure someone has homebrewed that. Yep. So first up on the docket, barbarian. Barbarian. Uh, So there are eight barbarian subclasses. We're not really going to get into the barbarian subclasses. Um... So barbarians, we wrote like little descriptions on our notes of like an overview of like what the class is. And for barbarians, we have uh, hit things hard, be hard. Yep. Um, Barbarians are big, strong. Well, I mean, they don't have to be big, but they are very strong. They're beefy. And they have Mm. like the the kind of defining feature that they have is um, they're a martial class, so they don't really use magic. And they have something called a rage, where when you rage. go into a rage... And reckless attacks. Um, yes. So when you go into a rage, it lasts for, I believe, a minute. Um, and you get advantage on strength checks, strength saving throws. Um, you get to add bonus damage die. Um, and you get resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage, which is, like, in my mind, the biggest perk, because yeah. you're basically... I mean, rage is what makes the barbarian class the barbarian class, along yeah. with the reckless attacks. So when you're a barbarian is going to be a tank of the party. So that's going to be the person kind of on the front lines doing the most physical damage or like taking the most physical damage. Um, When you're in a rage and you're taking half of whatever damage is being dealt to you, Mm -hmm. that's fucking amazing. It's crazy to just like say, nope. Yeah. No, you. And then I think you also already get like kind of a bump to your AC from being a barbarian. And then, um, the way that barbarians work and the way that some of these classes work is you'll have to like, you have to choose a subclass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once you hit level three, you unlock a subclass, right? That's when you get it yeah. at level. Yeah. So at level three, um, depending on what app or character sheet or whatever the fuck you're using, you'll be prompted to then choose a subclass. And then that subclass will give you a number of different benefits. Kind of like last episode where we talked about sub races where you have your overall benefits that come with like elves. And then you have, Sub benefits that then come from being a wood elf or a sea yeah. elf. It's uh, just same like thing. That with classes. Yeah. Um. So you'll get to choose different ones, and it's basically just kind of like the flavor of your character, and where like the it's it's a little less magic with a barbarian because barbarians a martial class. Yeah. But and they have more like magical oriented barbarian classes where it's like there's a wild magic barbarian mm. which I have I've had this character in my back pocket and I'm gonna play her eventually, <laughs> and um. Robert keeps pushing me to play her, is a uh, wild magic barbarian fairy. God, it's so um, fucking cool. The I... idea of being so small, but like hitting so hard. I don't know. That idea is just funny to me. And also a barbarian who can fly. It's like Ant-Man. That's so solid to be able to just like. Yeah. Having a fly speed is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then also I at later levels, you get like a bunch of benefits. One of them is brutal critical, where you basically roll a crit um, with a melee attack if you roll... Um, or when you roll a critical, you get an extra uh, damage die. Yeah, which is really nice because depending if you on crit, you're already doubling. Yeah, and it depends on how like your DM chooses to do criticals. That could be even better. Like, yeah, some DMs are just like double the amount of damage. Some DMs will say roll a whole another set of damage dice. So in theory, if you hit a brutal a brutal critical, 
that means that you get to, I guess, in theory, roll two separate dice or two separate sets of damage dice. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it can get crazy depending on the rules at your table. But, like, yeah. they are literally just hitting things over and over and over again very hard. I will say they kind of have a rep for being dumb. Yeah. Uh, intelligence Shout out to often. Gorg from, um, oh, fucking Rox Machina. Right? Grog. Grog. Jesus, fuck. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I literally just watched a clip of them doing a live show. No, because I thought you were talking so about cool. Gorgug. No. Yeah, that too, though. Kind uh, of, right? But he's From Dimension smart. 20. But yeah, like, Grog is one of the, the best examples of, like, Classic the dumb barbarian. barbarian. And, like, some people have kind of complained that, like, that portrayal has now infected everyone else's no. thought about what a barbarian could him. be. No. And it's just, like... I don't know. You don't. Intelligence doesn't have to be a high stat for barbarians. And why, why would it be? Why exactly? Why would it be? What are you doing, like in battle? But that that's is, something that, that we can that talk about next you. episode when we talk about flavor, right? The idea of yes. having an intelligent barbarian, like um, like a John Wick type, or a Sherlock, mm-hmm. or a um, oh, like fucking what's his name, Denzel, Denzel Washington from Equalizer, right? Like where you plan <laughs> out everything and you hit really fucking hard. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Uh, you also get a D twelve uh, for your hit dice. It's fucking nuts. That's so fucking so nice. nice. You're gonna have uh, a, a much higher like HP yep. uh, than some of your uh, spellcasting friends. Yep. So shotgun of benefits, really quick, so we can hit the next one. Unarmored defense. Basically, if you're not wearing anything but a loincloth, uh, your AC gets buffed exponentially. This is one of the only times where your Constitution modifier matters as a barbarian. If you're not wearing anything, at least armor-wise. You not only get to add your dex modifier to your AC, but your constitution modifier, which, which is, is really nice. So nice. It actually gives you a, a fucking reason to dump points into constitution. Yeah. Uh, reckless attack, it basically just means that you get advantage on your first attack of the turn. You can decide to attack recklessly again and again. The issue is that once you've attacked recu- recklessly, uh, attack rolls against you then have advantage. So it's like yes. you run into battle and your only goal is to hit the fuck out of the guy in front of you. And you definitely can. And you definitely will if you're rolling advantage, but then it means everybody around you is going to have advantage until I think your next turn. Yeah. Uh, danger sense, you can basically feel when things, like it's kind of like a second sense, like a like a, a low-budget spider sense. You can feel mm-hmm. when things are off. You kind of like can feel when you're in danger. Uh, so it makes them like a nice little... Um, Metal detector for danger and for getting your party out of shitty situations before they happen. Uh, you move really fast. You have advantage on initiative rolls. Um, persistent rage. You basically can continue to do it over and over and over again, and yeah. you don't roll out of it or you don't end it until you fall unconscious. Um, so essentially, the more points you put into it, the longer you can stay in the one thing that makes the barbarian class so fucking nuts, yeah. which is rage. Uh, and then up next after Barbarian in a very different kind of like tone is a bard. Scanlan. Uh, our little description for that was, uh, I love that guy. Roll to fuck. Um, bards kind of get, uh, so bards are, they are a spellcasting class. Roll to fuck. Full spellcasters. Um, and their magic comes from instruments traditionally you mm-hmm, there's definitely mm-hmm. different ways you can do bard where you're not using instruments but like traditionally it's like yeah you have um, an instrument you play music yeah chris pine in the dungeons and dragons movie or fig from fantasy high mm-hmm. um scanlan from um critical Bar- role yeah Fox Fox uh there are eight bard subclasses i personally love bards yeah bards, um, i've never played one i want to play one eventually they but are they're super fun i think goes. um Bards get this reputation for being very, very horny because they're like a very charisma front class. Yeah. Like they've got a ton in charisma well, and they're kind of like goofy and it's like in this, nature. This and idea so, that like if you could roll to seduce anybody, yeah. why would you not do yeah. that? I mean, if anything, just for benefit or gain of the party, not even to like legitimately oh, yeah. have sex. 
just to be like, hey, man, you want to fuck? And then the guard's like, yeah, I'll see you later. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, let me go grab something from behind you real quick. And we'll yeah, do that. and they also have a ton of, like, charm options. And there's literally two subclasses. There's one, College of Glamour, which is literally just making yourself as fucking attractive as possible. Yep. And then it benefits you just in, pretty. like, fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have, like, Eloquence, which is, like, where at level three, you can't, I believe you can't roll below, like, a 10 on Persuasion, which yeah, is much. nutty. Um but you also get this really fun feature called Bardic Inspiration, mm-hmm. um, where it is basically... One of the defining features of the Bard class. Yes. So at like at the very base level, um, you're going to get a D6 for your Bardic Inspiration. And you'll get more Bardic Inspiration die as you go on. But you can give that D6 to anyone at the table or even some NPCs if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the next 10 minutes of getting that, most DMs will just let you kind of like keep it for as long as you need. Yeah. Um, Whoever you give that dice to can roll that dice and add the number to any ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. So if you mm-hmm. have like a companion who is dying, bardic inspiration their unconscious body, and then they're gonna get a d6 to add to their like death saving rolls. And as you get, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as you level up and level up, your dice are gonna get higher until you eventually cap out at a uh, d12 at level 15. Yep, yep. And then you get to use that a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, um, which is if you're playing a bard should be pretty high um which is really nice you also get some uh, pretty decent healing options you've got song of rest at second level um which you do like a little song for your companions and then you get to like roll a d6 at yep. second level yep. and then it, that also gets higher and higher um and then they also get a a pretty good like a bump to all of their like ability scores so you mm. get to add um half of your proficiency bonus to everything that you don't have proficiency in, which is so nice. So that's That's kind of like, I think it's called Jack of all trades and it's literally like Jack of all trades. It is pretty wild. Bards also have some of my personal favorite spells for cantrips. You got vicious mockery, um, which is basically you just insult someone. You make fun of somebody and then they, that they take psychic damage and have disadvantage on their next uh, attack roll they make. And then also um, at, First level, you get Dissonant Whispers, which is so fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that can deal 3d6 psychic damage at as, as a first level spell. Yeah. Pretty nice. Something you can just do. Um, because they're a spellcaster, they're going to have a lower uh, hit dice. It's 1d8, yeah. but that's still nicer than several of the other spellcasters yeah, on this list. A lot more squishy than oh, Barbarians, yeah. which most classes are going to be more squishy with the exception of a few. So Yeah, um, but I, I absolutely love Bards. Yeah. Um, let's see, outside of that, uh, see here, a couple of different things. So uh, they have this fun ability at 6th level called Counter Charm, where you basically get to do a performance, and then any friendly creature within 30 feet of you now has advantage on saving throws against being frightened or charmed, uh, which fighting things like dragons that have, like, um, they have, like, aura abilities that frighten yeah. all creatures by, like, hearing them or seeing them, or just in general, being able to do that is uh, is pretty nice Very just nice. to say, nope, actually, you don't get to do that. Um, let's see here. What else do they have? They also just get to, as they level up, pick random spells and cantrips from other classes. Yeah, that just part's add them, really nice. Which is really nice. Um, so that way you, you're not just locked into, like, your boosting friend spells. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you have a couple of different... Um, you have a couple of different subclasses for them. So I think the two that they, or the one that they mentioned, at least on D&D Beyond, is um, College of Lore. So the idea yes. is that every sub-class is a different college, mm-hmm. uh, which you can definitely roll it into your backstory. They're like, oh, I, just learned, how to, college. I just learned how to play on my own. My dad taught, you know, like it doesn't literally have to be a college, but that's yeah. what they call the subclasses. Uh, but the one that they have up there, um, you get to... 
uh, basically gaining proficiency with a bunch of different skills when you join that college at level three. And then you also get something called Cutting Words, which is very similar to Dissonant Whispers. Um, and then the other one you mentioned before, where essentially you just get to make somebody have disadvantage or you get to like subtract a certain number of whatever the fuck from their role. So... It's all pretty nice. Uh, it's really nice. And you can also change. I think bards are, are very versatile in terms of like barbarians. It doesn't really matter what subclass you are. There's a specific like vibe to a barbarian Yeah. Um, where bards, you can totally change that. Like you can mm -hmm. have someone um with how crazy they are. There's one called like Bard of Whispers and it's like very edgy and like you're collecting the souls of dead people and yeah. you can like use them. Mm -hmm. And it's then all, you also it's all about storytelling. Like, so it's Bard just... of Swords. And so you can like have like a more like uh, melee focused person or you can have like glamour and creation which are going to be a lot more like you know classic magically so you can really mm -hmm. do I think Bard is one of the most versatile classes in d and I agree next uh, up next is, cleric. is Cleric oh that's still me still you so Cleric has an ungodly amount of subclasses uh, there yeah, are Cleric has a lot <laughs> there are 14 subclasses for Clerics Jesus um, Christ! Yeah, they heal people and they're religious. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Are what was the little? Literally holding the party together. Yeah, clerics are uh, kind of like the main healing yeah. race. They're like the the de facto healer when it comes. Like if you just need somebody in your party that's just going to keep people alive, cleric, cleric has the most main line into that. Yeah, hundred percent. They're another full spellcasting class. Mm -hmm. um, I think wisdom is their primary, um, like modifier or like ability or whatever yeah um yeah they're spellcasting modifier are oh my gosh how do you like there's someone their magic comes from a god or a deity that yeah. they follow it doesn't have to necessarily be good there's plenty of domains that are like death dying mm -hmm. grave yeah. i think those god are like famine, all god three different ones yeah so it can be bad people um yeah but their powers come from from deities from holy yes. sort or from holy or demonic sources whatever like it doesn't really matter uh, all of their power comes from something religious generally speaking which there's another class on the list that's the same as that that we'll talk about in a little bit called the warlock mm -hmm. uh, it's just where warlocks have to make a pact and then get magic clerics, clerics just, just kind of follow yeah they essentially they follow a, a god and they worship, um, and then that's where a lot of their, like, divine magic comes from. Yes. But like what Madison was saying, truly the list of gods and, like, motivations that you can choose from are it's endless. Uh, like, there's one god that comes to mind. I can't think of her name, um, but she's in Theros, and she's, like, the god of pestilence. But part of her thing is that a lot of people choose her as a healing deity because she not only likes giving people plagues, but she also likes carrying them. Yeah. And so the whole, like, your whole thing as a cleric for that thing could be, like, I'm going to slip somebody, a, a, like, a potion. To, to make the meal, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna cure them. Yeah. And now I'm gonna get a bonus thing because like I'm doing things for my, oh god. my god. There's like a there's like a name for that, which is like the hero complex thing. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. You almost well, when you talk about like the nurses that like used to yeah, yeah kill or like people, firefighters. Poison. Firefighters. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them where they set fires and shit. Yeah. Where the statistic is that like f there's more firefighter uh, like pyromaniacs people arsonists. that yeah arsonists um, than there are like normal people that do it because yeah. I mean you get to make your own job. Yeah. So like why not. Uh, clerics also have a bunch of good proficiencies. They get uh, proficiency with light armor, medium armor, and shields, which is pretty nice because most yep. classes you really only get proficiency you with get to use uh, a lot of one different or two things. of those. Um, and you also get a shield uh, when you like as your starting equipment, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, they've got access to so many good spells. I, you've got revivify. You've got um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, cure wounds. Cure wounds. You, level one like, just comes you're with You're going to be doing some like pretty solid. Um, thaumaturgy is also one of my favorites, um, which is just basically it's dramatic. It's mm -hmm. like you do like a small thing to like show your deity's power, which is like you make the ground shake or like something like that. Mm -hmm. It's just like I don't know why I like that one a lot, but I do. Um, 
And so, like, when I say the domains can be anything you want, there can war is one of the options. Peace is one of the options. Mm -hmm. Order, nature, light, life, grave, death, forge. Like, truly anything that you can imagine. And those are just the, like, Wizards of the Coast ones. And then there's dozens and dozens of, like, Unearthed Arcana or, like, unofficial... um, but like still kind of designed by like Wizards of the Coast designers. And Mm -hmm. then you also have like all of these different ones, which are really, really cool. Um, And then you also get this awesome effect called Channel Divinity, which starting at second level, um, you get to basically uh, channel like divine energy from your deity or whatever. Yep. Which can do a couple different things. Turn Undead is like the standard one, Mm -hmm. um, which basically cause any undead creature that can see or hear you to like run away. Several abilities that um, are very undead focused uh, or that like do extra damage to undead. And the only issue with that, and you'll find this with some of the classes, is that like their abilities are very specific to a certain kind of enemy or a certain kind of whatever, or they make you lock in something really early and then that's the only thing you can do with it. Um, honestly, just talk with your DM. If there's a particular enemy type that you know you're going to be fighting a lot in the game, just be like, hey, can my destroy undead ability that only deals with undead, can we just make that so that we can do it with, like, different kinds of creatures or just creatures yeah. of, like, evil nature? Like, because yeah. it is a little silly, this a idea that you're playing... Kind of stuck into, like, undead only. And it's like, also, yeah. if you have undead people in your party, you're fucked. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we've played with undead people at our party you can't, yeah fun story you can't heal undead with traditional divine magics because yeah. it does damage to them so that's actually a way that clerics can then turn into damage dealers when you're fighting a specific kind of enemy is that any traditional holy healing spell like cure wounds whatever whatever all of those do damage instead of healing when you're talking about um undead you have to do necrotic yeah. damage to them or they have to heal themselves yeah. So it's a little bit of a fucking stupid lock-in for yeah. a class, but truly just talk with your DM and work it if so that it's not detrimental. If you're playing a party full of undead people, I would not suggest Cleric be simply because you're not going to be able to yeah. heal anyone. But uh, Channel Divinity also has, like, you can up some damage dealing. Uh, yeah. For yeah, uh, Tempest Cleric, you basically do max damage on any thunder or lightning spell mm-hmm. um, with your Channel Divinity, which is crazy because if you're up there with, like, Chain Lightning... Yeah, you're gonna be doing some serious, serious damage. Um, there, but basically, uh, like fifth level, you've got destroy undead. Um, so if an undead creature fails at saving throw against uh turn undead, mm-hmm. it's destroyed. It's yep. just straight up dead. Just obliterate it's undead. Just dead. That's all it is. Um, and then you can also like straight up pray and just ask your deity to yeah. intervene. And then, like, your DM will assign, like, a DC or a dice or a whatever, whatever, and then you'll roll to see if the thing happens. Like, obviously, the crazier your ask, the bigger the dice and the harder the DC. Yeah. But if it's just, like, I'd like to heal 10 points so I don't die immediately, okay, we'll call it DC 15. Give me a wisdom saving throw or a religion check, and we'll see what happens. And then, like, yeah, ta-da, you've been healed. But clerics are a really nice class. You can go like more damage dealing with them, yeah. or you can go more healing. There are a lot of different features where you can dump spell slots into dealing extra damage when you land an attack roll, which is something that the paladin also shares, but tends to lean more heavy into. So, like at the beginning, you are kind of locked into being a healer, but once you hit like level six, level seven, mm-hmm. they start giving you more abilities based on your subclass to pour spell slots, unused spell slots, into damage. So it's yeah. nice. Okay, now it's me. Uh, druid. So, tree huggers and fuckers. They, they're exactly what you think of when you think of a druid. Um, oh, what's her fucking face from the D&D movie? The owlbear chick. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's got a name. What's her name? She's got a name. She turns into an owlbear. She also turns into multiple different animals during, um, during the movie, which, fun fact, is somebody who's played the game, 
Um, shout out to anybody else that has also played the game and knows how the Druid class work. That bitch shapeshifted like 17 times in one Doric. scene. Her name's Doric. And that's so fucking silly because every single switch is a different use of the ability. And she was just like making the switches like that, like instantaneous. Which but was, it was cool as fuck. It was cool. It's just funny to sit back and look at it and be like, wow, that is so many separate actions. And you would have been out of wild shape centuries ago yeah but the scene where she's like running through and she like ducks into like a suit of armor and mm. then they see her and then they're like chasing her and then she turns into a little mouse and like runs out like it was so sick i don't she also wild shaped into an owl bear which isn't in the rule book but also you know nope. what people who are like judging the movie to that t get fucked like yeah. it's a movie have fun i enjoyed it a lot of people enjoyed it. Yeah, it's so druids, uh, druids gain their their powers, their spellcasters um, by trade. Their power also comes from kind of like a more like holy or like deity based source, but it's usually just something revolving around nature, um, mm-hmm. like gods of the old faith or god of the wood or like a Gaia type deal. Like all of their abilities come essentially from their their drive to not only protect nature but to use it and to wield it, and so. There's really kind of like an endless amount of, I guess, uh, sources you can assign a druid in terms of where they get their powers. But they uh, they have a 1d8 for hit dice, so not super, super high. Um, they also spell cast, I'm pretty sure, with wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make sure I'm getting the right. Yeah, with wisdom, they uh, come with light armor, medium armor, shields. So you kind of have a, kind of a nice range there. You can use a bunch of different weapons. Um Let's see here. You can also speak a uh, secret language of druids called druidic, which is kind of it's in the same like vein as like a thieves can't type deal where like it's a class that gets its own separate language that will only be used because you picked that class. Yeah. If um, it gets used at all. Yeah. If it get if it gets used at all. It it's a weird thing that they keep trying to insert with like the the weird language that comes with the class and it's just, you know, if your DM wants to rule it then they can't. But their main thing is they get wild shape at second level. They uh, also get to switch out their spell slots every day. Like, every long rest, they can switch out what spells they have prepared, which is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk more nice. about switching out spell slots when we get to Wizard, who's yeah, spell slots galore. But basically, at second level, you can wild shape, um, and your your rules on wild shape are going to deal with something called CR, which is like challenge rating based on creatures. So at second level, you can't wild shape into anything that is higher than um, one-fourth CR, which is fucking insane, uh, you also can't pick anything that's flying or can swim. And an example is a wolf. Uh, wild shape is really only locked in based on one, what your DM will allow, and two, the CR of a creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, the higher CR a creature, the bigger it is, the more destructive it is, the higher health, the more abilities, blah, 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 blah. Like uh, an example, like a CR 25 is something called a Tarrasque, which is basically just like a world ending. Uh, like T-Rex looking motherfucker that just walks around and stomps on shit. I there's love really, that there's dinosaurs. There's like no that additional is, ability to this that thing. That shit is so funny. Other than it is just insanely powerful and has a ridiculous amount of health and power all the way down to a 4th CR which is something like a wolf. Um, but like once you hit 8th level you can pick things with flying speed like an eagle so that's when you can like really start making use of shape shifting into things that'll actually get you into different um, environments and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, your statistics, all of that, uh, you lose everything when you wild shape though. You, you only get what comes with that creature. Yeah. Uh, no spell casting. You can't speak unless that thing can speak. Your equipment, uh, can either merge into you or fall down. It's, it's up to you, but that's everything you do as a druid is going to revolve around your wild shape, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, from there, 
You can improve your wild shape with wild shape improvement at the fourth level. You basically can take the action um, to uh, assume the, the the sort of, I don't know, like the, the beast that you've seen before, and then you can do it more as well. So at fourth level, you can do it twice. Um, let's see here. At second level, you have druidic circle, so you can basically identify a circle of druids, which are like the little things on the ground where they look like sacrificing whatever the fuck. Um, you, you know one if you see one, and then you um, you can get different benefits for that. You get an ability score improvement like a lot of other classes once you hit certain levels. At 8th level, once again, you wild shape improve, so you can pick things with a swim speed and a flying speed. Um, at 18th level, you essentially age slower, which is just kind of a, an interesting thing to get at the 18th level as part of your class ability. Yeah. Uh, basically, for every 10 years that pass, your body only ages once, which I guess could be kind of cool if you're fighting something that's using like an aging spell or something that deals with your age, and you're like, ha ha, I don't really age. Yeah, it's more of a flavor thing and less of an actual class feature. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, they're all about nature. So your subclasses are going to deal with what kind of um, nature you can use. So uh, you generally kind of pick like, um, uh, well, what am I trying to say here? There are ones that allow you to move between trees, uh, that allow you to like pass between plants oh, and, and organic matter, which is yeah. really cool. There are ones uh, where you can open portals in trees and then open a portal to another tree that, that you've communed one was... with. That's actually really cool. That's yeah. in Vox Machina. It can be really useful in a pinch. Uh, you they can also be... have uh, Reincarnate, uh, yep. which is a... To come back to something when you die, which is yeah, really cool. Yeah, a spell that comes in clutch. And it basically, like, if a creature dies, you get to bring it back. However, you can't control what race and, like, what, what, basically what body they come back in. Um, mm-hmm. That it's up to DM discretion or rolling on the table. Um, yeah. So a lot of your uh, a lot of your subclasses are going to deal with like what kind of elements in nature do you use? Is it more have... elemental? Is it more animal? Is it more plant? Like they've got good berry, which is also in a spell that will like add some healing and stuff. So druids can do some like pretty decent healing. Yeah. And then your circles. So I mentioned the druidic circles earlier. You basically get to pick from a fucking litany of different places. So mm-hmm. under dark swamp. Mountain, grassland, forest, desert, coast, Arctic. Each one of those is gonna gain is gonna grant you a different spell once you actually use the circle. Uh, so druids are also one of the most customizable classes, in my opinion, uh, because you can land into just full on fucking damage by really improving and buffing your animal, your wild shape, or you can be like, I'm gonna commune with nature and use plants to like wrap people up with entangle. Uh, and do that. Or you can be like, I'm going to use lightning and earth and be a fucking airbender from Avatar yeah. and just beat people up with elements. One of my favorites is um, in one of the seasons of Dimension 20 called The Seven, which is one of my absolute favorites. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, there's a character who uh, Erika Ishii plays, and they're a circle of spores druid. And so they're like very mushroomy, like very fungal, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, sick fucking character. I love yeah, her so much. Quite a bit of fun. Uh, next up is going to be the fighter. So uh, the fighter is also one of the more customizable classes when you're talking about subclasses. Subclass plays a huge role when it comes to the fighter. So oh, yeah. they're um, they're not as tanky as the barbarian, and they don't rely as heavily on doing just huge amounts of damage with one hit. They're more like stick and poke the whole time. They're kind of like finesse. Yeah, they're they're like if you think uh, as barbarians is more like brutish and. Um, uh, more like kind of hitting people with their hands and giant axes and kind of like the ah, like the raging and shit. Like fighters are much more of like 
dancing around people and tripping people up with their feet and throwing like dirt at them yeah, and then the using the description you have written down is hit things soft be soft yeah hit things soft be soft whereas barbarians are hit things hard be hard so the being soft also means that they uh, are a lot more well-rounded so you kind of get a little bit of everything with the fighting class or with the fighter class and really what makes them special is you have action surge so yes. with barbarians you have rage and reckless attack with action surge essentially what that means is that you get a whole another action you usually are going to use it to attack people um, and action surge is really fucking nice. So, uh, at the second level you get it, it literally just allows you to hit people a second time. You also get something called second wind, which allows mm-hmm. you to regain health in a pinch. Yeah. Uh, and unlike a lot of classes where you don't get your subclass until level three, you pick your fighting style at level one, which is like a subclass within a subclass itself. So, yeah. uh, you can pick something like archery, defense, dueling, great weapon fighting, protection, two weapon fighting. And basically, all of those different things are going to give you a benefit based on the kind of weapons or fighting style you think your character is going to use. So if you really want to lay into like being a tank and using like a tall tower shield uh, with like a spear in one hand, pick defense. While you're wearing armor, you gain plus one to bonus AC. If you want to be more of like uh, throwing knives at people or like using mm-hmm. a bow and arrow and then very quickly switching to a longsword, there's archery, which basically gives you a plus two bonus to attack rolls you make with ranged weapons. Uh, so you really, really get to customize... Um, your your fighter which is kind of the nice oh, yeah. thing about them they're very uh i don't know like they're, they're very open to change and there's so many different options of Jesus like christ there are like eldritch knights so you can go and like use some magic yeah um, or you can just do champion and that's gonna like, be your martial like, archetype like a, that you hit at level three yeah uh, and there's some that are more like gladiator style mm-hmm. or like this that or the other yeah um, very popular option people choose uh a samurai because everybody likes to role play as a samurai every now and then and basically like, uh, Samurai is the one that I have the most. Uh, Samurai and Eldritch Knight. So, like, Eldritch Knight is you're using a lot of really powerful magics in one hand and a sword in the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's all about doing a shit ton of damage from afar and then coming in with your swords and, like, finishing them off. Whereas Samurai is actually really cool. Uh, well, they're both really cool, sorry. Samurais are very, like, locked in. Um, a lot of people pair it with Compelled Duel, which basically forces a creature to interact with you yeah. if they fail a wisdom saving throw. Uh, they basically can't be moved by anything that would push them back. They're like indomitable. Uh, it's fucking crazy. It's really yeah. cool to see because I mean, it's like I said. You also get swashbuckler as well. So if you no. want to be a fucking pirate, swashbuckler's rogue. No, swashbuckler's also fighter. It is. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Swashbuckler's fighter. Yeah. Swashbuckler is indeed fighter. Fuck. Yep. Um, you also have gunslinger under fighter. Yeah. So if you um, want to use guns. It's officially unofficial. I don't know why it's not listed as official. It's been like, like Wizards of Coast has given its stamp of approval and like has put things out about it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's on D and D Beyond, mm-hmm. but it's not listed as like an official one. But Gunslinger is, if you've seen um, uh, Vox Machina or like first season of the guy Roll, that uses the gun, Percy. Yep. Um. So if you want guns, or Mag from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. If you want to use guns, crazy. it's really cool. See, I have somebody in another campaign that I'm playing in right now that's doing Gunslinger, and he just pulls out like a fucking, like basically like an old-timey sniper rifle and just yeah. does a ridiculous amount of damage to people yeah. whenever he wants to, and then pulls out his little knife and then cuts people, you know? Yeah, it's nutty. Yeah, you also get an extra attack at fifth level, so again, something else that's like the hallmark or an earmark of the fighter class is just taking a ridiculous amount of fucking actions. So not only do you have action oh, yeah. surge, which gives you a second action, you can then do extra attack, which means that when you attack once, you attack twice instead. And then when you hit fucking level 20... You get to do it four times. Fun fact that I recently learned, too, a lot of DMs would be like, oh, if you hit somebody once, your second attack has to be against that person, or you can't move when you do your second attack. There's That's not in the rules anywhere that I can find. 
Yeah. You can initiate your first attack, move 30 feet, and then hit somebody else with your second. I remember that conversation. There's nothing barring you from doing that, which is really fun when you look at fucking monks that basically are just attack central. I would say that's a perfect segue. Yeah. And see, at ninth level, really quick, uh, Indomitable, you can reroll saving throws. If you fail them, you can only do it once until you finish a long rest, and then you can continue to do it more and more when you level up. And then everything from there is like what we were talking about, all your martial archetypes. Literally everything about the fighter class that makes it special is the martial archetype. Yeah. Uh, and then two monks real quick. Um, so we had someone who played a monk at our table. I've never played a monk. And then I was like sitting here reading through some of this stuff and it's Or kinda... you just watch somebody fucking play it. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, it Which looks like nutty. a lot. It looks very intimidating. You also get a D8 for it. Monks are, um, well, it's, I don't even know. They're basically someone who is like, they're, hit things they're, a lot. they're monks. Hit th- well, yeah, my description is like... hit things a lot, be insane because yeah. that's what they are. Um, so you don't get any proficiencies with armor because you get unarmored defense. So you're going to yeah, get same your thing AC Barbarian has. 10 plus dex plus wisdom, oh, um, yeah, plus which wisdom. is going to be higher which for, cool. um, monks. And then on top of that, you're also going to get bonuses every time you're unarmored. So if you're mm. unarmored, um, you can use dex instead of strength for your attack rolls and damage rolls. Your unarmed strikes are going to do a D4 damage. Yeah. And that's just going to keep getting higher and higher as you like go further. And when you, um, attack as an action with an unarmed strike or like a monk weapon you Mm. get to make another as a bonus action and then on top of all that you get these things called key points so you can burn to do it again yeah so key points you'll get like a certain number of them and then you can use them to do different things so there's like three main things that you can do so flurry of blows which is after you take the attack action you can spend a point and get two unarmed strikes as a bonus action so if you are like like so yeah, you could do four um, attacks, unarmed attacks at second level yep. against someone, which is crazy. You also have a patient defense, which you can spend a key point to take the dodge action as a bonus action. Mm-hmm. And then step of the wind, which you can use disengage or dash as a bonus action. And your jump distance is doubled. You also get unarmored movement. So if you don't have armor on, you just keep getting extra movement mm-hmm. every time you level up. Yep. Which is crazy. You can just move really fast. What is it fast. maxed out as? Is it plus? I think it's scroll back 90 up. maybe. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. It just keeps plus getting crazy. 30 feet at 20 level on yeah. top of so like you your can base move feet. 60, so 60 feet, feet. And then if you take dash action, you can then make that 120 feet. Yeah. And then also you like at ninth level, map. you can just like walk on water and yep. like walk up walls. Like, yep, that's not yep. magic related. And then, of course, you're also going to choose your, like, monastic tradition. So that's mm-hmm. going to be... Um, your subclass. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite is Way of the Drunken Master. I think that's really fun. Um, so they also have Way of the Four Elements, I think, where you basically just get... You, you wore Avatar, the last yeah, Airbender. That's pretty the much. whole thing. Um, at third level, you can deflect missiles. Like, yep, you, can catch ju- you can catch missiles. And then you can also yep. use a key point to just throw it back at the and person. Say, and a missile is loosely defined as you being hit by a ranged attack. There is yeah. nothing in this description that says what a missile can or cannot be you as can long as it's fired at you. You could catch a bullet. You could catch a cannonball. <laughs> Uh, as long as it comes from a ranged weapon, you can catch it. Which is crazy. At fourth level, um, you can just say no to falling damage. You can just say nah. And, and then just, you can like, t- take oh, by the way, you can take that reaction when you catch it and throw it at a motherfucker. Yeah. 
if your damage is so when you catch the missile, if you're, if the damage you take from it is reduced to zero, which most of the time it's going to be, you can then take your reaction and then throw it back at the motherfucker yeah, at the same speed they threw it at you. It's fucking insane. And then you also have got stunning strike at fifth level, and these are like very low level abilities, by yeah, the way. They give you a lot really quickly. Um, oh, slow you, fall. When you hit you another, fall, you reduce the amount yeah, of falling damage you take. That's what I was just talking about. And when you hit another creature um, and stunning strike. You can use a key point. Um, they gotta succeed in on Constitution saving throw, or they're just stunned. Yeah. Um, like, and it can, you can evade. Um, they've got evasion, very similar to like rogues, where it's like if there's a area of effect spell, they can like kind of like dodge out of it. Um, you at tenth level immune to poison and disease. Yep. Um, like it's just it, and then you also like timeless body 15th level um you yep, yep, can yep. no longer suffer from old age you can't be aged magically um and you also no longer need food or water which is a fun little addition there it's so fucking um, i mean food and water is rarely rolled in anyways but like it's just fucking why would you add that to <laughs> what purpose does that serve you wizards adding that to a class what what yeah, does that give you it's crazy Ugh. um now I feel like I want to play a monk. 14th level, your mastery of key gains you proficiency in every saving throw. And then whenever <laughs> you make a saving throw and fail, you can then spend a key point to re-roll it. I don't know how I missed result. that. That's insane. Uh, something else you missed that I think is also nuts. Um, Key-powered strikes. So something you'll find when you're fighting a really high-level monster is that a lot of them will have resistance to non-magical attacks. So what that means is if you're not a spellcaster, if you're not using a sword that's magically imbued, or you're not, like, I don't know, casting a spell on your sword that then gives it a magical property, or just weapon in general, you do half damage. Well, Wizard said, if we're only going to let this guy hit people with their fucking fisticuffs, then we're going to make all their unarmed strikes count as magic for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity yeah, to non-magical damage, which means their fists become magical. <laughs> they become magical weapons. I... I love that as a concept. Just because I also they're a love, fucking monk. I fucking love the word fisticuffs also, by yeah, the way. That is one of my favorite words fun. in the English language. Um, hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Yeah. Very quickly, I'm going to talk about Paladins. Um, They are single-handedly, in my opinion, the most broken class in the game. They have the damage ability or the potential damage output of Barbarians. Uh, They also have the uh, fucking health and resistances of Barbarians. They also get an extra attack like Fighters. They gain Holy Magic to heal people like Clerics. Uh, the the amount of bullshit that they've packed into paladins is nuts. Uh, they have lay on hands, which you get immediately as a first level. Basically, every time you level up or you hit a milestone, you get more lay on hands points. You spend an action. I think right now my character in the other campaign is forty lay on hands points. I can spend one action, dump all forty points into healing somebody, and they automatically heal forty points. There's nothing more to it. I hit a long rest, they come back. I can never tell if that you love just or gets hate bigger. paladins. It, I love it when I'm playing the them. Line. I hate it when I'm fighting against them. So then you also get a fighting style, like fighter. Again, they just rip from everything. You get divine smite at the same level, which basically allows you to burn a spell slot and then do even mm-hmm. more damage when you hit somebody. Or like banish them. Or, or like... send them to another fucking dimension. Yeah. 
which is ridiculous. It's... Then you hit third level and you pick an oath, and this is where paladins get even more broken. So all those benefits I just told you about, you get those by leveling up, not by picking a subclass. Then you take an oath, which basically means, I swear to do no harm on such and such fuckhead's name, or I swear to only beat up goblins because goblins are evil. And then guess what? You get a whole secondary set of benefits that basically yeah. gain you access to spells from different classes, AC buffs, damage buffs. I mean, you name it, you fucking get it. And then if you decide you want to break your oath, because that's a fun character thing, then there's also oath breakers. So don't worry, you're yeah. never not going to have a fucking oath as a paladin. It's yeah. required. Uh, you also get uh, several aura abilities called like aura protection, where basically everybody around you gets your charisma, your, your charisma bonus to their saving throws. Yeah. Which, by the way, paladins are technically spellcasters, which means their spellcasting ability is charisma. So they also just use one of the most broken stats in the game. Yeah. They also, to also be charisma roll the based fuck. Means everyone fucking likes you. Like you can just roll. Yeah, everyone likes you. You can be the tank. You so, can be the spellcaster, the healer, and the face of the party. So you could you could be a one man show fully. Yeah. At six level, so basically at six level, let's say you have a plus five to your charisma saving throw, or a plus five to your modifier. That means anytime one of your allies is within thirty feet of you, they get a plus five to their saving throws. It does not matter what it is. That's crazy. Which is fucking ridiculous. Truly, they can do it all. Um, let's see if there's anything else that's worth noting other than the fact that they're insane. They get 1d10 for hit points again because let's just make them more broken. They have a lot of health. Um, da, 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 da. Oath spells, like I mentioned, you get a lot of different things that come with your oath that you swear. Mm -hmm. The extra attack, the aura protection. Um, aura of courage, 10th level. Creatures around you, uh, creatures yeah. from the creatures within 10 feet of you cannot be frightened. <laughs> Just can't be. There's no disadvantage. There's no advantage. Just cannot be frightened. That is so now our last campaign. people within 10 feet and then you hit 18th level and it goes up to 30. So that means if at the 18th level, all of your friendly allies get a plus five, plus six, plus seven. Doesn't matter whatever crazy stat you have to every saving throw. And they just can't be frightened yeah. just because you're conscious. You don't even have to do anything in that fight. Wait, do you just ha because does it have conscious. to be? It doesn't even say. Oh, while yeah, you're while conscious. you're conscious, it okay. says it. Yeah, it says yeah. It at the very end. Um, that sucks. Yep, yeah, you can also uh, if you spend enough healing points with lay on hands, you can just cleanse people of diseases and poisons. Um, yeah, there's not, there's really no other uh, requirement for that. You can just do that, uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Without going into the specific oaths, that's why I figured this one was going to be quick. They're just the do it all class. Yeah. Literally, they can do everything. They can heal just as much as clerics. They can do as much damage as barbarians. Um, they have auras, which almost no other class in the game has, on top of just doing everything else. They can just do whatever they, they want. They can sacrifice spell slots like clerics and do more damage. Um, their oaths, again, give them a whole extra added layer of bullshit. They can do whatever they want. And if this seems like a biased review of, of the Paladin class, it is. They're insane. <laughs> Uh, and with that, I think we're going to go ahead and do a quick cut just because Madison has class. Sorry. Um, so when we come back in, like, for you, five seconds, we're going to talk about the other half of the classes, and then we'll do another episode after that talking about background and flavor. Woo! Cool, cool. Bye. And we're back. I'm back from class. She's back from class. In real life time, it took a week. For you, it took, like, two <laughs> seconds. Okay, so we're going to hop right back into character stuff, uh, picking up with Rangers. So it's exactly Woo! what it sounds like. Um, they hit things from afar. Uh, they are usually kind of like nature-based in some way. So like a lot of people like to role-play them or give them flavor text or like protector of the wood or like protector mm -hmm. of culture. Um, they're usually elves because elves work really, 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 really well with the sets they need, which is high dexterity. 
um, like kind of extra perception and investigation checks. They're, uh, they lend themselves naturally to be like more investigative characters. Um, they use bows and arrows. However, comma, something that I wanted to note because literally before we started recording, we were talking about like, well, what can you really do with a ranger in a modern setting? Things like crossbows, things like throwing knives, um, things, I mean, any kind of thrown projectile, really. So rangers typically are bow and arrow, but what they get are a lot of bonuses to ranged attacks because it's not specific to the weapon you're using. I believe that there are some perks that you can get for rangers that are specific to different kinds of weapons, but for the most part, it's just bonuses to ranged attacks. I'll say, I know there's feats like crossbow expert, yeah, and, and you can take what things I that are used before with a rogue mm -hmm. that was just seeing exactly. how many attacks that I could spam. And so that's the other thing to know about rangers is that unfortunately, every other class does it better. <laughs> so the fighter with gunslinger does it better um, anything with rogue also does it better. Uh, the issue with ranger is that there's not enough there in their class to make them stand out amongst pretty much any other character or any other class at the table. Um, they get a fun little thing at first level called favorite enemy, where they basically pick an enemy type and they get like advantage on any checks related to those enemies. Sometimes attack rolls, depending on how your DM wants to play it. Um, so you could say <laughs> it's kind of a fun way to like roll in some more backstory of like the whole, ah, he hates goblins. Goblins burned his family down, you know, yeah. stupid shit like that and being like, and now he's hunting down all the goblins. Well, now he has advantage on everything goblin related. Well, that's um, good. But that's also so specific. If you're not doing a is. campaign where you're like going to be a, dealing with those people. This is another thing where you need to talk to your DM to figure out what kind of enemies are going to be in there. So like, shout out to Dimension 20 again, uh, Crown of Candy. Uh, his, uh, there was a, a ranger, I forget what his name was, it was a little boy who was made of, he was from the Rock Kingdom, remember what his name was? Allie Beardsley played him. Liam! Liam. Peppermint. Yeah, Peppermint. His favorite enemy, if I remember correctly, was the Meat People, um, and it worked pretty well. So it's kind of one of those things where like, yeah, it, to an extent, you kind of, I don't really know if I want to pick wolves or if I want to pick ogres or if I'm going to pick goblins. And then it's kind of an awkward thing to be like, so damn, how many goblins are we going to fight in this yeah. campaign? Uh, comparison to every other kind of enemy. Are we going to be yeah. fighting a lot of humans? What about halflings? So I think when you're picking your favorite enemy, try and pick one that makes sense for your backstory and just... Fingers crossed your DM rolls that in because chances are they will. Yeah. I'll um, say, I talk, I, I'm not a big fan of Rangers. However, uh, Vex <laughs> from Critical Role and so like Vox cool, Machina, yeah, who's Vex like my makes it favorite so character cooler. in that like setting campaign. Yeah. I'm obsessed with everything Laura Bailey of, like, touches. Throwing phenomenal. Stuff too. No, that's the brother. Oh, that's the, the brother. Yeah, yeah. The brother's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Vex. Um, I, I love Vex and she's a Ranger and I'm in like classic Ranger fashion. Um, mm hmm. And she leans into the less, like, a lot of people, I feel like when they think of rangers, they think of, like, the solemn, like, out-in-the-woods loner yeah. type. And she leans much into the more, like, fast and kind of, like, charismatic, high decks, um, that kind of thing. So yeah. there are different ways to play it. But, yeah, just note about playing in more modern settings. Don't be afraid to just find different throwing weapons because surely my next character that I play in any campaign, I've decided is going to be a ranger that uses throwing knives because I just think it's fun. So, you know. There's that. I also get the favored terrain. Yep. So they basically get to um, they get to pick a kind of terrain, and they're like proficient in it. Uh, so that means like any kind of checks related to it, they they get the proficiency is double. That means if they're traveling in that particular kind of terrain, you get benefits. Like your entire party doesn't get slowed down by difficult terrain of that kind. That's nice. Your group can't become lost except by magical means, which is also nice. So if you pick desert for some fucking reason, uh, if you if you hit a wandering in the desert arc, you don't have to get lost because, you know, 
you're an elf or a ranger that likes dirt and sand. So yeah. um, you also get a bunch of other things when you're going by yourself. So like when you travel alone, you can move more stealthy. When you forge, you get twice as much food. And when you track things, you can learn their exact number and size and how long ago they passed the area. So again, ranger is very heavy to working with your DM because if you don't work with your DM and you just pick random things, the chances of you hitting what you actually want to hit is very low. But if you're like, hey, here's this really cool backstory. Here's why I picked their their preferred terrain. Here's the preferred enemy. Here's the fighting style. What can you do for me? Chances are you're going to get a cool moment instead of just being like, well, we never really hit an Arctic plane. (laughs) So uh, I'm useless. Yeah, so I didn't get to use like a whole half of my character. I mean, that's like playing like a sea elf character and then you're not anywhere Mm -hmm. near water for any of the campaign. It's like, okay, well, this is going to kind of suck. Yep. Uh, Because I can't do half the things I'm supposed to be able to. And so talking about the fact that they're just kind of like fighters light, uh, they also pick a fighting style and you don't have to pick archery. (laughs) You can pick defense or dueling or (laughs) two-weapon fighting. So like, I don't know. Like, what's the fucking point in playing a ranger? The idea of like a melee ranger is Mm -hmm. very funny. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They get um, a bunch of like nature spells as well. They pick archetypes like every other class does. They get an extra attack. Again, shout out to the fighter. Um, they also just in general, once they hit eighth level, they can move through difficult terrain without any penalties to movement. So we haven't explained difficult terrain so far. What it means is that let's say that you're walking through like a very craggy landscape up the side of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Your DM might rule that that's difficult terrain. And what that means is that it takes twice as much movement as it does normally. So the average character has 30 feet of movement. That means that on any given turn, they can move 30 feet at a time. So difficult terrain would say, actually, no, it's going to only be 15 feet because one foot counts for two in difficult terrain. Yeah. Which means when you are traveling in a group setting, even outside of combat, it's going to take you twice as long to get to where you're wanting to go. And so the ranger in this case says, actually, it doesn't because I like the woods or I like (laughs) sand or I like, you know, snow. Um, And so in that sense, it's pretty cool. They also get to take hide as a bonus action at the 14th level, which is pretty cool. And they can't be tracked. Which is also pretty nice. That is nice. It sucks that they save that to the 14th level. Honestly, yeah. I feel like it should be something sooner because it's kind of like the hunter kind of deal. Yeah. But it's not bad. Uh, 18th level, you also get to, uh, when you attack a creature that you can't see, uh, you don't have disadvantage, which is nuts. So it basically <laughs> means that like, <laughs> if any creature is invisible within 30 feet of you, you can just be like, actually, no, it's not. I'm going to hit it instead. Yeah, that's and that in and of see that's crazy. If they had given you, if they give the class all of these perks before the eighteenth, like before fourteenth and leveling up, I would say it's a wonderful class to play. Yeah, because you can just like there's other things that you can do to kind of get that thing. Which uh, shout out to the name, it's called Feral Senses, and that's mm-hmm. very funny. And in in my mind, every ranger or the ranger has the potential to be a very anti DM or anti ambush character or class mm-hmm. because so many of its perks revolve around you basically saying actually no, no. <laughs> incorrect. This yeah. obstacle you've given me. Try again. It's not there. It's not real. No, fuck um, you. And we've had one ranger, and he's... He oh, like my God. I forgot shit. he was a ranger. Yeah, no, Sam played a ranger, and he actually did crazy amounts of damage. It, yeah. was, it was really cool to see. Um, but, yeah, all of your subclasses for rangers uh, are basically going to be like hunter. Um, I don't know what any of the other ones are, but that's just one. And basically every one of the hunter's uh, subclass uh, features has to do with, like, killing things of a specific kind and then yeah. getting bonuses. There's hunter, monster slayer, swarm keeper, horizon walker, gloom stalker, fey wanderer. So gloom stalker is what Liam transitioned to in the second half of Crown of Candy when he started doing fuck tons of damage to yeah. everybody. 
uh, Beastmaster and Drake Warner. All of those names are very, they all sound so similar. Yep. All right, next up on the docket is Rogue. Rogue. I love Rogues. Um, well, I've got a love-hate relationship with Rogues. You so rogues are rogue. halfway I, through a campaign. Yeah. I uh, Listen, I love <laughs> multi-classing Rogue. I don't like playing a straight Rogue. Um, straight rogues are, are sneaky little fucks. Sneaky I don't know if that's what we wrote Isn't that what down? Vax was in, in Vox Machina? Was yes. it not? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so rogues are, it, it, it's kind of what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, oh, they're sneaky, they're edgy, they're in the shadows. They do, like, there's lots of different flavors that you can give them. There's a handful of, like, subclasses for them. So you can go more of, like, an assassin or, like, a scout, a thief. Um, there's even a pirate one, Swashbuckler, which is um, one that I played, like, just level nine straight. Rogue, which is funny, which I don't recommend. The fighter subclass also has an option to do basically the same thing. Yeah, which is to be like a pirate swashbuckler. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and you can tell there's a lot of class overlap in the design oh, yeah. of Five E. They they basically create static perks and then like throw them in different classes and then sometimes yeah. those cross over, which is why people are like, why would you play a ranger? Because the ranger only has like three unique abilities and they're all gatekeeped at the 14th, 18th, and 20th level. Yeah. I'll say rogues are kind of a, similar to bards in a like jack of all trades kind of vibe. Mm. Um, they get proficiencies with thieves tools, which is always going to be really nice. So that's going to be like, you're able to use those for just about anything that you can argue. Um, that'll be good for picking locks. That'll be good for like sneaking in somewhere things like that um you get expertise at the first level which you get to choose two of your skill proficiencies at which you already at this point experts in like how you get to start with four proficiencies as a rogue and then you also get whatever ones you have from your race if you have one and then two of those you get to have um your proficiency bonus doubled so Mm -hmm. that's you can basically guarantee also that lower level that you're not going to fail you also get something called thieves can't which is fucking useless I, I want Thieves Can't to work so bad, which is basically you have access to this um, secret language, and it's like a mix of dialect, jargon, and code. It's allowing only you to, spoken like, by thieves yes. and underground so, shady people. It sounds really cool, but unless you're doing a campaign where you're dealing with like different languages and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you're not really going to get to yeah. use it. Languages... But you also get Sneak Attack, which is like... Sneak attack is the, the dopest thing about the rogues. thing that makes rogues rogues. Which some DMs rule it to where, like, if you're behind an, an enemy, you get a sneak attack dice no matter what, which means the rogue isn't um, as different as some of the others. But <laughs> the fact that at, uh, let's see, at the 20th level, you get 10d6 sneak dice is fucking insane. Yeah. So uh, you get sneak attack anytime that you have um, advantage on an attack roll. Anytime that you've got an advantage on an attack roll, then you get to... Um, you know what that means, though? That means that if you're in somebody's fucking face, like up yeah. in their face and just have something that gives you advantage, sneak attack. Yeah, it's amazing. Your I eyeballs had... are literally on your forehead, and you're like, mm, you didn't see this one coming. Yeah, and there's different things. Like the swashbuckler one is basically you get sneak attack if you're within five feet of people just for like the fucking <laughs> so, fun of it. So fucking stupid. Um, but you, so, so stupid. you don't need advantage on the attack roll if um, another enemy of the target is within five feet of it and yeah. they aren't incapacitated and you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You can also use that. You can use it with uh, finesse or ranged weapons. And that's going to go up with every level. So it starts at 1d6. Mm-hmm. And then that keeps increasing and increasing. And that's really where, like, the power of rogues comes from. Is because, yeah. like, there's no limit to how many times. Like, it's something that resets. This is an every turn thing. It is not a, like, yeah. once it would, it would every now and then. It would make more sense if it was, like, a, a, a on a, on a, holy fuck, 
on like a burner mode where it's like yeah. you can only use so many times like equal to your your thief level. Like you can only sneak attack ten times in a day, which that would be more than enough to kill literally anything you're trying to fight. Yeah, but, but like no, every single yeah, turn. It's infinite as long as you can get advantage or find a way to give you advantage, which basically just means stealthing every combat, yeah. hitting somebody, bonus action hide, hitting somebody, bonus action hide. You just run around the map, shanking people in the ass and getting yeah, shit. It's amazing. Of which that's another thing. Bonus action hide. You get cunning action at second level, which allows you to take a bonus action on each of your turns, and but you can only use the action to dash, disengage, or hide, which are mm. really the only three things you need to do as a bonus action yeah, when I can't you're think a rogue. Of anything else that you which would is, even want to bonus I'm gonna action. come in, I'm gonna stab a motherfucker, and I'm gonna get the fuck out as quickly as possible because that's where your strength you, is gonna kind of come do from. Dash, you just get twice your movement speed. Yeah. Or disengage, which allows you to run past people without taking opportunities of attack, which is awesome. Yeah. You'll find that happens a lot when your DM doesn't want an enemy to die, but your party has just cornered them. Disengage, run past every one of you motherfuckers <laughs> until a paladin takes a feat that says it doesn't matter and then hits you anyways. Yeah. Then you also have steady aim at third level, which you can, as a bonus action, give yourself advantage on the next attack roll. Yep. There you um, go. If you don't move. There so you, you go. So you can just straight up like give yourself mm. sneak attack damage. Yeah. Then you keep getting like... um. Uh, you get uncanny dodge, which is uh, if an attacker you see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction that to just the half most the damage. Bullshit. And it's not a like that is also one that you can do every single time. It is not like like there is no limit to that one. And which what's, is really what's stupid nice. about that is that it's not. It doesn't specify that it has to be a ranged melee attack. It doesn't no. specify that it's a melee attack. So that means if somebody hits you specifically you with fireball. Well, fireball, I guess you don't actually get hit because it's, well, you're you making saves. Well, you use evasion and you get to uh, dodge out of the way thing, and but do better. the same thing. So you so have you uncanny take, dodge like, that no says somebody hits you with a knife. Uh, I'm going to use my reaction to half that damage instead. Okay, cool. That's fine. I'll hit you with a magical like, um, like breath weapon Area or eye storm. Incorrect. Two more <laughs> levels up. Evasion. They say, actually, you can dodge out of certain area of effects, which then does the same thing. Half, and you know what's crazy? This one gives you the opportunity to take no damage. Oh yeah! If you pass the like roll where you're supposed to take like half damage from an area of effect, you spell, can then get you can zero just say no damage, no damage. And that's is that even a? It's seventy damage. Uh, when you are subjected to an effect that makes you, that's not even a <laughs> reaction or bonus action. Nope. That's just a permanent effect. Yeah. So you as a DM, you go okay, fine. I can't hit him with martial weapons. We're going to move to area of effect spells. No. Incorrect. You know that plus 10 they have to dexterity saving throws? Fuck you. Zero damage. <laughs> Fuck you again. Zero more damage. Yeah, it's... My uh, my alternative my, my alternative to fighting rogues is to take control of larger characters in the party and whack fuck them. <laughs> Just whack fuck them. You've done that several I've times. I've done it several times. Or take control of the rogue themselves. Yeah, it's... There's so many ways you can get out of things. They're, they're slippery motherfuckers. If you paid attention, you would realize that the rogue does everything the ranger does, but better. Yeah. But literally better. And, and at, at lower earlier levels. levels. Like significantly lower. It's fucking and then ridiculous. For like 11th level, um, you get whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus, anything you roll nine or lower, it's a 10. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is pretty nice. 
which is super nice. Yeah. And then blindside at 14th level, if you're able to Same hear, thing, rangers. you're aware of the location of any Anything creature. that's invisible. But see, the difference between rangers, I guess I'll say this, the difference between rangers and rogues in this case is that for rogues, it's only within 10 feet. Rangers, it's within 30 feet, which is a pretty yeah. significant difference. But if you're going to be up close as a rogue to get your sneak attack damage anyway. matter. Yeah. Uh, 15th level, you get proficiency in wisdom saving throws. 18th level. 18th level is the only thing that I care about on this list being absurd. Um, 20th level, I don't even really care. So 18th level says <laughs> that you are so evasive. You're so good at slipping and dipping and dodging, right? That nothing, nobody ever gets advantage on hitting <laughs> you while you are conscious. Fuck a legendary action. Fuck a big boss. Fuck a rogue playing against you with the same exact moveset and using the thing that gives them advantage. Incorrect. So that means rogues can't. Your eyes are open, you can't baby. Sneak attack damage. You on. see it the fuck all, dude. Yeah. And it's... then 20th level, you can just do basically whatever you want to. So if your attack misses a target, um, incorrect, it hits. And if you fail an ability check, incorrect, you can treat it hits. The G20 roll as a 20. Not natural 20, but as a 20. Which is still insane. But that is 20th level, and that is a really hard level to get to, and you can only use this feature once until you finish the long rest. So it, that in, it's cool, but it's a 20th level ability. It's like your, your ultimate in any kind of video game or whatever you're talking about. 20th level abilities are for people that are on par with gods. Yeah. Like in the new Baldur's Gate 3, they only let you go up to, I think, 12 or 13, and the reason for that being 20th level, you're literally fighting gods. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. Um, so what's next on the list? <gasps> My babies. Sorcerers. Yep. Sorcerer. I... I can do two things at once. And it's... then I can do those two things twice. And then I can do those two, two things four times. Sorcerers are... Fucking annoying. In my opinion. Annoying. The best class. No, they're not. Um, so sorcerers are basically... There's full spellcasters, but where they differ from, like, other spellcasting classes... I'm gonna take classes, a potty break. I'll be right back. <laughs> is that they have... Um, their magic is innate to them. They don't have to practice. They don't have to do anything. It's not like wizards where they've got to learn from a spell book. And it's not like warlocks where they've got to make a deal They're with somebody. They're just good at everything. They're just fucking great at everything. Naturally. Uh, they're a charisma-based class. And then at the first level, you're going to choose your um, origin. And that's going to be basically your subclass. Um, so the options for that are Aberrant Mind, Clockwork Soul, Draconic Bloodline, Divine Soul, Lunar Sorcery, Shadow Magic, Storm Sorcery, and my personal favorite, wild magic which we'll probably talk about more when robert gets back because i played a wild magic sorcerer for the longest time and it's probably the most popular subclass of sorcerers and if it's not it should be um it is so much fun downsides of sorcerers you do get uh d6 hit dice and you get a pretty low ac unless you like max out your decks so you're a squishier character um, but you get, uh, form cantrips at the first level along with, oh my gosh, my page, my page is not loading, um, with two first level spell slots. So your cantrips are really going to be what carries you because you get so many of them, um, which is really nice. Um, you also have, um, your font of magic, which you get these things called sorcery points. You start at second level with two sorcery points, and these points allow you to do just about anything that you want. Um, at second level, you get flexible casting, which is you can spend sorcery points to gain more spell slots. Or alternatively, you can burn spell slots and turn those into sorcery points. 
So at first level, if you're out of spell slots, you can spend your two sorcery points and change that into a first level spell slot, which is nice because you could basically infinitely create spell slots um, as long as you have a way to continue earning sorcery points, which is really nice, especially when you get to higher levels. At third level, you get to use metamagic, which is um, you get to use those sorcery points for more things. Um, they each cost a different amount, and some of the things they can do are like pretty nutty all things considered um you've got careful spells so you can spend one sorcery point and choose a number of creatures up to your charisma modifier um, which is your spell casting class so it's probably going to be pretty high and you can cause that creature to automatically succeed against a um saving throw for a spell so if you're about to cast fireball in a little room and you know that your teammates can hit like your party members can take the damage you can spend one sorcery point and say you've got a um charisma modifier of four and you can choose those four people and you can get them to automatically pass that saving throw which is really really nice uh especially if you're going to be doing a big area of effect spell then you've also got distance spell so you could increase the range uh that your spell has empowered spell you can re-roll the number of damage die up to your charisma modifier again yeah. for one sorcery point sorceries are uh, sorcerers are basically just a damage in a bottle so. Yeah, it's amazing. You've Literally, got an extended spell to make one sorcery point to double its duration for whatever spell. Heightened spell. Hmm. Um, you can cause. You can spend three sorcery points to give a target disadvantage on the saving throw. Yeah, Quicken yeah. spell, which is one of my favorites. Quicken spell can get fucked, respectfully. <laughs> you spend two sorcery points and change the casting time of a spell to one bonus action. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I spammed the fuck out of that one. crazy goes nutty then you also have doing elders blast twice in one round <laughs> oh yeah and there's feats you can take so like even as a sorcerer you can take a feat to get elders blast <clears throat> spell sniper you get to choose yeah. one uh ranged attack cantrip and you can just spam that you can use twin spell um, which is when you cast a spell that targets only one creature and doesn't have a range of self you can spend a number of sorcery points equals to the spell's level and target a second creature within the same range yeah, one baby. sorcery point if it's a cantrip so you can spend one sorcery point and cast how far down on this are we are we just at metamagic uh yeah jesus christ i there's a lot that they do yeah, but we gotta I'm like. I'm gonna speed through the rest. So I'm we, gonna speed through the rest. We gotta pep and step. Meta magic is what makes a sorcerer a sorcerer. Also, their whole shtick is she didn't already say it. Raw magic. They have magic yeah. for no fucking reason. They're powerful for no reason. Your DM's gonna be like, oh, mysterious sources picked you. But if they've picked you, then you're just a fucking warlock. So you just you're magic. That's the whole thing. You're magic. End yeah. of story. Uh. Twin spell at higher levels, you can basically, if you have Eldritch Blast, you're able to cast it four twice. Eldritch Beams at once. Yeah. Which is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and Eldritch then, Blast for reference, which we'll talk about when we get to the Warlock, which I think is next, which is one of my yes. favorite classes. Eldritch Blast is like, like a Warlock native cantrip, and it basically just means that you get to do a fuck ton of damage all the time, every time. And it's one of the only cantrips that there are specific perks to level up. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Or features, I guess. Sorry. Um, at fifth level as a sorcerer, um, you get to tap into that inner spring of magic and you can basically re-roll a d20 for a sorcery point. Yeah, um, the yeah. rest of the kind of bumps to sorcery are going to come from your subclasses. Mm -hmm. I said of I would wait to lot. mention about wild magic until you got back. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So what's... What's wild magic? I'm just going to look at the list because I don't, I don't, I'm using D&D Beyond right now just for reference, like my notes are, because they have a, a lot of the features laid out in a different way. So I'm just trying to look at the subclasses. 
I'm going to talk about Wild Magic for just a second. Yeah, go ahead and hit Wild Magic. Um, Wild Magic is one of, in my opinion, Wild Magic is is what the sorcerer is most known for. Yeah. It's inspired a ridiculous amount of people to play characters um, that are just really fun and wacky and powerful. Uh, isn't, is Allie Beardsley a Wild Magic sorcerer in... An unsleeping City. Yeah, in Unsleeping City. Yeah, so if you've seen it, that's a great example. Uh, Allie, Allie Beardsley. Allie? Beardsley's Allie Beardsley. Character. Beardsley's character is a wild magic sorcerer, so the the whole time it's like, ah, I cast a spell and something wacky and crazy happens, and so you can do so many you, fun things with that. Yeah, every time you cast a spell, you roll a d20, and if you get a one on that d20, then you roll on something called the wild magic table, which has, the, the official one has 50 options. We made our own custom one for my yeah. character that I was playing that had 100 options on it. So you roll a d100 or two d10s, mm-hmm. and this random effect happens. And you don't really have control. Some of them are like you turn into a potted plant. Others are like you cast fucking fireball yep. in the center of the room. Yeah, some are like you cast like oil slick at your feet. Uh, you're invisible for the next minute and 20. Next time you would die, come back with full hit points. There are also some where it's just like you die. Yeah, it's... Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. It's wild yeah. magic for you. Yeah, but it's super, super awesome. I love sorcerers. You it multi-class sorcerer and luck. warlock, you could just say, fuck you, infinite spell slots, which is really nice. Yeah, so Tides of Chaos, level one, you basically just get to, uh, <laughs> get to, to re-roll something um, equal to, what is it? How many times you get to do that, Tides of Chaos? Uh, perf- uh, just once. So just once. Uh, but basically it just means, actually, no, re-roll that. But there's also, before you regain the use of this feature, you can have the DM roll on the wild magic table, and then you regain the use of this feature. So if you take the risk of rolling on the wild magic table, you could use that. Having an infinite tides of chaos while increasing your chance to do the only thing your subclass is amazing at might as fucking well, dude. Yeah. No, I... Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you take infinite tides of chaos if it means that you just get to do what your character already wants to do? (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's so much fun. Um, ben Luck, and then we'll probably move on. Yeah. So you get to um, kind of use your wild magic. Anytime you see a creature that makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can use your reaction, spend two sorcery points to roll a d4, yep. um, and apply it as a bonus or a penalty. There was a big fight at the end of our last campaign, and yeah, uh, and he took things from all of our subclasses. And Ben Luck fucked us over. Yep. So many so times. So my my, we'll talk about this at some point because I think we we both have interest in doing an episode just talking about our previous campaign. Yeah. Um, the BBEG big bad guy, right over the fuck. Um, big I don't bad know, evil guy. Yeah, big bad evil guy. I always forget evil. I just you know your villain, your your main guy. Mine was a character that basically uh, like kind of lost himself in sort of this like magical fuckery that he kind of did to to himself. Um, and like the character's natural ability was to shapeshift and take on the abilities and the appearance of anybody else. Well, he was incredibly powerful, and so the way that, that I wanted to make that more fun was saying, what if that ability was broken and he just randomly shifted into different, like any, any creature or a character that he saw at any time in his life, um, being a god that's lived like a really, really long time and been to a lot of different worlds. Well, at the very end, something that happened was he was brought back, um, and he was brought back fixed, which is scary. In the yeah. moment, he did a lot to help the party, but it was like, cool, now I'm going to do what I want to do. And everybody was like, actually, no. Um, yeah. So then it ended up in this big uh, climactic end fight. It was one of my favorites I think we'd done. And it was really awesome. Basically, the way that I had done his character, it was very like custom. He had the ability to uh, basically bank. He had no spell slots, but he had the ability to bank any spell, cantrip, or ability that somebody did if he saw it and then could yeah. then use it whenever he wanted to. 
Um, made that last fight. Yeah. The the Fox. limitation was, of course, that he could only cast it at the same time that they casted it. So if they used it as a bonus action, he can only use it as a bonus action, so on and so forth. But it basically meant that, like, any spell that he saw somebody cast, even if multiple people cast a spell before his turn, he got to bank every one of those spells and then use it. He had nothing he could do on his own, but he could do everything else everyone else could see. Um, and so that was really fun to... And this was a party full of spellcasters, so we were fucked in terms of, like, hitting and the amount physically. of spells that I got from ridiculous, just ridiculously broken things that I got to use, because, yeah. I don't know, like, it, it was to a point where you write yourself into a hole, all of these classes are really broken, how do you make a fucking, a 1v4, 1v, was it 4 or 5? 1v5 fair. And I was just like, well, what if he could just do everything they could do? Yeah, and it was really used, fun. We used disintegrate a lot during that fight. Which oh, it was so fun. We stopped using an ins- real quick. Absurdly broken spell. Yeah, it was really fun Whoa. to like watch them figure out what was happening and being like, hmm, every time I use this, he uses it too. Yeah, isn't that funny? That wasn't funny. And he's still was... fucking lost. Yeah, not I mean, I was, not hard, but he lost. He survived the fight because we chose to save a party member instead of kill him. Yeah, which was fun. But he died anyway. Or right. kind of died. Next, uh, this is one of my favorite subclasses, Warlock. Um, they're a glass cannon, and their their tagline is "I love Cthulhu." Insert any god or deity's name here. Um, demon fuckers. Demon demon fuckers. Angel suckers. I mean, it's all of it, right? <laughs> like Christ. truly, they do it all. Like there's no. There's no deity they won't touch. So we talked about paladins already, and paladins are typically like this. this um, they, they worship or they give praise to a traditionally very holy or um, like a good cause normally. I mean, there are some paladins that are like, you know, oath of get fucked, and then they pick like a demon or something, and that's where the magic comes from. But you have uh, paladins who are very like holy, and that's where they get the power from, and they channel it, and they worship. Warlocks typically fall on the opposite side of the line, which is I'm going to make a pact with something incredibly powerful, usually a little evil, yeah. uh, and that's where all of my magic comes from. So sorcerers, they have spell slots. Wizards, which we haven't talked about, right? Yeah, we haven't talked about wizards yet. No. Wizards have spell slots. Paladins, spell slots. Anything that's a spellcaster has spell slots, and it typically has a lot of them. Warlocks have some of the fewest spell slots in the game. Sorry, game. But what they can do is every one of their spell slots is a certain level. So when you look at a sorcerer or a wizard, they're going to have like three first level spell slots, two second level, and four, I don't know, third level. I know that's not how it works, but that's, that's how I'm saying it works for now. Um, what Warlock says is, no, all of your spell slots are the exact same level, but you have fewer of them. So if you cast a spell that says at the fifth level uh, you get an additional effect, you basically, every one of your spell slots is at the fifth level. So instead of having three ones, two twos, and one three, you just have five fifth-level spells, which means every single thing you cast is going to be upcast if it has the potential to do so. Yeah. So the reason I call them glass cannons is because their whole thing is casting very few spells at a very, very high level. So at first level, they get uh, what's called an otherworldly patron and pact magic, so they basically choose their their deity um, or their, like, uh, well, yeah, essentially, like, their god, where their powers come from. They make a, a bond or a bargain. Yeah. So, whereas paladins, it's it's um, usually, or even with clerics, it's more of a mutual relationship where it's like, I give praise, they give me power. Warlocks are like, no, I'm going to literally put my name on a contract, and yeah. you're going to give me a ridiculous it's amount like of power. It's like, you could, as a cleric or a paladin, you could go your entire life without actually meeting your, like, mm. 
your patron or whatever. Yeah, warlocks, you're normally having conversations. Yeah, warlocks, you are like you, you, you met them. Mm-hmm. Some of the times you fuck them. And Other times where, they're your dad. That's it's, where like the multi-classing with Madison's character came in really cool because like the warlock feature then allowed her to have that like pack magic and otherworldly patron of which she had one. Yeah. Um, and so it was a really cool like story moment to be able to tap into it. But anyways, so you pick your pack magic. Um, that also means that you get like a couple of additional things. Um, cantrips, you have a, a ridiculously broken lineup of cantrips because you have fewer yes. spell slots. Mm-hmm. So that's where the trade-off is. A warlock has half as many spell slots as a wizard, but they're all upcast. However, comma, the way that they, they compensate for that is they give you cantrips. The number one broken cantrip in the fucking game is Eldritch Blast, and it's a warlock class-specific cantrip. Yes. So you basically just make a ranged attack. You throw out basically, I, I like to call them force bullets because that's basically what, what they fucking are. You throw like little beams of force at people. Uh, and you can like you can kind of say what they are, or what kind of element you want them to be, but typically mm-hmm. they're just like little bullets of fuck you. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, another cool thing about Warlock is that whenever you level up, your features give you access to things that improve Eldritch Blast specifically. Yeah. So one is doubling the range on Eldritch Blast. One is um, you can have it push people back since they're like force bullets. You can have it to where if somebody gets hit with it, they physically get pushed back. It, it sky's the fucking limit. You basically, my favorite is uh, agonizing, which uh, adds your charisma modifier to everyone and your charisma. Yeah, class. that's so. Nuts if you, too. oh yeah, Mac, sorry, if you I forgot get a to. I get charisma, so excited about this class, I forget to talk about the basic <laughs> stuff. They're a charisma casting or a charisma and or wisdom casting class, but yeah, it's almost always going to be charisma. Because why the fuck yeah. would you pick? Why would you pick wisdom? Wisdom is for paladins and for clerics. Use charisma. Yeah. Well, really, just for clerics. Paladins also use charisma, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, if you yeah, have a Eldritch Invocations 20, then you can do, it, Eldritch Boss does 1d10, so you could do 1d10 plus 5 mm-hmm. on a single hit. And then as you get like higher and higher Eldritch Boss, you just, get to create more Yeah, more beams. beams. And you can have them target different people too, which yeah. is really cool. So on one action, you can throw out like three different Eldritch Blasts. You can have them all hit the same person for a lot of damage, or you can have them hit three separate people. Yeah. Which is really fucking cool, because you don't have to burn any extra spell slots or any sorcery points like you do with a sorcerer. You just get to do that because it's a cantrip. Yeah. Um, and if you crit on one of those, it's so satisfying to kill people oh with my Eldritch God, Blast. So, and it happens so, so fucking often, dude. Yeah. So the first character I ever played in a campaign was a warlock, and my, my DM is one of my best friends since high school. Uh, still one of my best friends today he's in the campaign that I'm in both of the campaigns I'm in right now um, it was the first time any of us had played it was the first time we DM'd and he just wanted to see like how broken our characters could get because we all watch anime and we like the idea of like all the protagonists getting absurdly powerful with their own different things I want so it was only a, a campaign of three players it was me and two other people I single-handedly, at the end of that campaign, 1v2'd them both at the same time and won by a ridiculously large margin and just basically became the new big bad evil guy at the end of the campaign. Yeah. And so now it's a running joke that my character in the new campaign that I'm playing with them is uh, that character's son from like a love affair that canonically actually happened. And so every time I do something evil, because I'm a paladin, they're all like, your father's showing because that character just fucking killed people willy-nilly at the end. Um, but it's fun. So Eldritch Invocations, when it's you level up. It's fun to be a little evil. Agonizing Blast, prerequisite Eldritch Blast cantrip. You can also get Armor Shadow, so you can cast Major Armor at yourself without spending anything, which is which nice. Which is so nice. Um, you can cast Levitate on yourself, again, without casting spells. As long as you're at the ninth level, you can get Beast Speech, talk with animals. without. Sp- All of these are basically do whatever you want without casting a spell slot, which is yeah. really cool. Uh, you can also get some kind of flavor text here, Beguiling Influence. So you gain in 
proficiency in deception and persuasion skills, uh, so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you can also get what's called a book of ancient secrets, which is another thing that makes warlock schools. So they basically just rip the wizard book and, yeah. uh, make it their own like unholy artifact. So you basically just get to put spells in that book to then use it later times yeah. <laughs> for fun. Um, and I won't, I won't go on up there. The, truly the list of it's Eldritch invocations list. is fucking long as shit. You basically get your own private, uh, catered list of features. Yeah. Which is it's, ridiculous. It's so nice. And then you also get the packed boons, which are another yep, bonus. Yep. 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 Um, let's see. Is anything else to talk about? So basically, every time you get to a certain level milestones, a lot of those are going to be like uh, second, third, fifth, seventh, eleventh, fourteenth, eighteenth, and twenty. Um, every single time you hit one of those big ones, you're going to get like your patron is going to give you another like gift. So at the um, 11th level, your patron bestows upon you a magical secret called an Arcanum, and then you basically get to choose one 6th-level spell from the Warlock's list as this Arcanum. You can cast it without expending a spell slot, finish a long rest. You just get to get, you just get to have a 6th-level spell yeah. granted to you that you can use for free whenever you'd like, and then you get to do that more and more as you level up. Yeah. You just get to use it even more. So for reference, at the 17th level, you get a ninth level spell, which is the highest they go. And for Warlock spells, the ones that you have access to with spell slots, the highest they can go is fifth, which is yeah. why it's so exciting to get the high-level spell mm-hmm. slots. When, then when they just give them to you. Um, they also do a fuck ton. 13th level, yeah, all of these are just going to be Mystic Arcanum. So that's the thing that just gives you more and more spells. And then at the 20th level, Eldritch Master, you can draw on your inner reserve of mystical power while basically entreating your patron to regain spell slots. So you get to spend a minute basically being like, Cthulhu, please help me. I love you. You're great and amazing. And then they'll give you all of your spell slots back. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that's it. You get to use it once a day. But like, as a, as a fucking class that has no spell slots and also does some of the most damage in a single turn out of any class on the list, just a minute in the corner... You're like, hey guys, give me five. Not even five, give me one. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go pray to Cthulhu real quick and come back with all of your fifth level spell slots. It's just imagining like it's standing ridiculous. in the corner like Blair Witch style, just like, hang on guys, just a minute. Mm. And then the one thing that I didn't talk about that you reminded me of that I guess I completely glazed over is pack boom. Yeah. So at third level, your otherworldly patron bestows a gift. And then you basically get to pick like a pack. So there's pack to the blade. You get a weapon that you can basically manifest um, which is really cool because they're not a very martial class, but they can be, which is kind of an interesting thing about warlocks. And then you can also, you have um, Eldritch Invocations that can like... You can also turn one magic weapon that in your possession to your packed weapon by performing a ritual, which is really fucking cool too. So if, if it's a thing where like you have this really cool magical weapon that your DM has given you that like levels up with you or is sentient, you can then make that your packed weapon and you can mm-hmm. just manifest it whenever you want to, which is really fucking cool. Yeah. And like thematic, I guess. There's also a pack to the chain, so you basically get a familiar, um, and you can choose from imp, pseudo dragon, quasi, which is a fucking dumb little thing. It's like a demon, and then or a sprite, and then you can kind of control them, which is cool. And then pack to the tome, which gives you a grimoire, and it basically has same thing. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like there are a lot of ripoffs of the wizard spell book. Yeah. This is one of them. <laughs> you uh, you get to do all sorts of fun things out of your book of shadows, add spell slots to them, so on and so forth. And it's cantrips. From any class. So you can yeah. choose like cleric and paladin ones mm-hmm. where you can heal people. So you can yep. add healing to your fucking Warlocks like, are another warlock. really uh, Warlocks are another really customizable class um, in terms of what you can do with them. But yep, it's one of my favorite classes. It's also one of the most broken characters I've ever seen was the one that I played. Because, you know, if you let if your DM lets a warlock off the chain, the it's really sky's the limit. 
Um, so next we're going to hit wizards. So wizards are basically, <laughs> they can do everything. They're all wizards. Of the time. Um, so the, the description we have for them is gifted kids, uh, gifted kid burnouts favorite too many things. So sorcerers, they have a limit of how many spell slots they can have, so on and so forth. Mm. Warlocks, few spell slots, high damage. Paladins, they're like supplemental healing. Clerics, they're just healing. Wizard, there's no end to what you can have. You have a yeah. book, you can put anything in that book that's a spell. And then you can then ready those spells for the next day and cast any one of them. Um, so the first thing you're going to pick whenever you become a wizard is your arcane. So you'll get something called an arcane recovery. And then, what was the other thing? What was the other thing? Spell casting. So you cast your intelligence, um, which is a fun thing to dump points into because just being that guy. Everyone really else smart. dumps intelligence. Yep, because everyone, yeah, because I mean, there's no real reason Why for do you be smart? to dump intelligence. I don't want to be smart. Wizards, yeah, your wizard usually only is going to be the only, like, really smart person in the party because <laughs> uh, they're the only one that, they're the only person at the table that was incentivized to dump points into intelligence. Yeah. Um, you get access to cantrips, same thing as anything else. So then you have your spell book, which is what makes wizards unique. So at first level, you have a spell book containing six first level wizard spells of your choice. Your spell book is basically where you keep all your spells. So the, the big difference between um, sorcerers and warlocks and wizards is that the other two spellcasting classes basically memorize their spells on their own volition because they're just that powerful or because their magic is granted them uh, by a different deity. Like if you're thinking of warlocks, you're thinking of like Doctor Strange, I've made a pact with a person, I can cast the magic. If you're thinking sorcerer, you're thinking more like Harry Potter bullshit where mm -hmm. it's just like, I gifted. just know this. Mm -hmm. But wizards are a little different. So wizards have to actually like study their magic and write down their spells. The different the thing that makes that special though is that the amount of spells they can know is like nearly endless. Yeah. Um so basically when you go to rest, you you call you do what's called preparing a spell. So you basically get to choose what spells um from your book become your prepared spells for the next day. Um and then you can cast them and so on and so forth. They get a ridiculous amount of spell slots as well. They're the most locked in when it comes to your level spell slots, though. So they have like a lot of yeah. level ones, a few level twos, fewer threes, fewer fours, so on and so forth. Um, so you're not necessarily casting really, really powerful spells, but you're casting more spells than anybody else in your party, probably combined. Yeah. Unless you're like competing with a sorcerer who's just spending fucking sorcery points to get all their spells yeah, back. Sorcerers could just do whatever they want. Yeah. And wizards are a little bit more bound to what their spell slots allow them to do. Um, you can cast a, a wizard spell as a ritual as well. So rituals basically take a longer time, but they don't necessarily uh, use a spell slot. Um, I will tell you the amount of times I've seen people cast a ritual at my table is maybe one. They just, <laughs> they're not picked. There's no reason for them to be picked, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, wizard, it's called your spell book, so you can spend time copying a spell into the book. You can also replace the book if you want. Which is fun. Or if you want to make a backup, because sometimes what your DM will do or what a smart enemy will do is try and steal the book or burn it. Yeah. Having a copy of that book then or having an extra book on hand. Um, Real nice. Is really nice. Now, that, that isn't to say that like if you lose your book, you're now incapable. Like You have to go back and relearn all the spells. Your character still technically knows the spells. It just means that until you write them down in another book and then take the action to prepare them, you won't have any. Yeah, um, except for cantrips. Except for cantrips, yeah, and the ones that you had already prepared the day before. So one of the things is called Arcane Recovery, so you've learned to regain some of your magical energy by studying your spell book. Once per day, when you finish a short rest, you can choose to expend spell slots to recover. Um, so that basically means that your spell slots then um, can be used to like heal yourself and to gain other higher spell slots back. So it allows you, because you have so many, to then turn them into like bits of utility. 
Also, at second level, you get something called arcane tradition, where you basically have to choose your um, choose your school. So, your subclass. Yeah, yeah. This is this Which is your there subclass. There are a Which happens. That technically happens one level earlier than it happens with any other classes. Most of them are subclass locked until three. Yeah. Uh, Warlock is kind of one, but not really. And then wizards are two. So wizards, you get to choose from abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy, or transmutation. Quick breakdown of what those mean. Uh, abjuration is usually like creating... That's Abjuration is usually creating illusions, right? Or is that conjuration? Mm, that's illusion. Yeah, all right. There's literally a fucking thing called illusion. Excuse the fuck out of me. Anyways, divination is going to be casting things like light, cure wounds, mass heal wounds. Enchantment is like you can enchant weapons. You can enchant. Abjuration is like protection. Yeah, abjuration is like a lot of shield stuff. Conjuration, you're going to make familiars. You're going to summon demons. You're going to summon all sorts of fun shit to fight for you. Enchantment, you learn a lot of ritual spells. You learn how to you learn how to cast things as rituals at regular casting speed, which is really cool. Evocation, you'd have to tell me what that is. I don't remember what evocation is. Uh, elemental effects. Yep. So you just get to you get to cast fun elemental stuff. Necromancy sounds exactly what it sounds like. You get to raise things from the dead. Um, necromancers are very fun. And then transmutation, you get to turn things into other things, um, which is also very fun. So you, yeah, you choose that at your second level. Is a lot. I'm sorry we don't have more time to go over the subclasses. But so many of them. There are a lot. And every one of those is going to give you a completely different list of spell slots. Um, so then you get your ability score improvements, regular, same as anybody else. And then spell mastery, 18th level, you have achieved such a mastery over certain spells that you can cast them at will. So you can choose a first level spell slot, or a first level spell, and a second level spell. And then you can cast those at their lowest level without spending anything, um, which is kind of neat. And then, essentially, you can, uh, cast you those can higher those as well. And you can switch them out. And then signature spells, when you reach 20th level, you gain mastery over two powerful spells and can cast them with little effort. Choose two third-level wizard spells in your spellbook as your signature spells. You can always have these prepared. They don't count against the number of spells you can have prepared, and you can cast each one of them without expending a spell slot. So, yeah, wizards are kind of like a do-it-all. They're usually your utility at the table. Um, They'll do a little bit of everything. They'll have detect magic. They'll have counterspell. They'll have... um, mending they'll basically i mean they are your utility at the end of the day like yeah. if you need to solve a problem or if you need to fix something or figure out how to get around a magical barrier or figure out what a magical weapon is ask the wizard ask the wizard because the wizard is probably going to have access to a spell um that they can just use or do a long rest switch the spells and then cast it the next day uh and so sometimes it's a lot of people don't want to play wizards and they'd rather play a sorcerer or a warlock because like the idea of doing more damage is fun I will say, uh, and all the times that we've played, I think I've seen wizards come through the most in terms of like pulling something out of their ass that was really beneficial for the party. Because oh, absolutely, the list truly the list of things that they can do is endless. Uh, warlock, endless damage, sorcerer, endless spells, wizards—they just they know how to do everything. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's it's a little annoying to have to DM for a player that's like, I have an intelligence score of twenty. I'm going to roll <laughs> investigation and Arcana checks every thirty seconds and never fail. That's when you start giving them like twenty five and thirties on their DCs. Yeah, but believe it or not, they'll hit it every fucking time. So if you just want to be the smartest guy in the party and also the person that has a solution to everything that Our happens, last campaign we had be a wizard. It was like a plus fourteen. Yep. To Arcana. Arcana. Ooh, I've been a lot. I've been gatekeeped by D and D Beyond. I do not own the books to look at the Artificer and Blood Hunter rolls. I got it. So I will, I will steal Madison's campaign. 
or not campaign, Jesus Christ, or laptop. laptop. Yeah, sorry. I'm talking about a lot of the same stuff, so. Okay, I'm pulling them up now. I personally don't know a lot about either of these classes, yeah. so I'm going to hand that over a little to bit. Robert, because he has my laptop now, so I can't yeah, have my notes. I know, I know a little bit. So artificers are I'll your... i be my charming self. <laughs> artificers are like your tinkerer class. Um, proficiencies, light armor, medium armor, shield, simple weapons. They can have access to thieves, tools, tinkers, tools, anything tools related. Their saving throws are constitution and intelligence. Where does it say, how am I not finding this? What is their casting ability? Um, Do they have one? Uh, scroll down. Spell casting. Jesus Christ, how am I this unprepared? I don't see. All right, we're going to Google. We're going to Google real quick. Googling live. What is an artificer's you hear the clack of the keyboard? spell casting ability? Intelligence. intelligence. Holy shit, it's another intelligence-based class. I'll be damned. I'll say, logically, I should have come to that yeah, conclusion. You would think. We so should have figured that they're out. They're tinkerers. That's their it whole thing. It says right there. Oh, Jesus. It says oh, on Sorry. I, it was literally in front of me, but because D&D Beyond was gatekeeping its information, I didn't read the screen. And the little thing I have literally says primary abilities intelligence. I'm so sorry. First level... You've learned how invent, uh, to invest a spark of magic into regular objects. Um, to use this ability, you have to have Thieves' Tools or Artesian Tools in hand. Um, and then you can touch a tiny magical, non-magical object as an action and give it a property. So you can make it glow, which is kind of funny. Uh, whenever <laughs> tapped by a creature, the object remits a uh, recorded message. So you can like program messages into things, which is kind of cool. Um, Object continuously emits your choice of an odor or nonverbal sound like wind waves chirping or the like, which is funny. You can just fuck with people or you can yeah, just make like things stink. It's like prestigitation, but you put it on a rock. Yeah, and then a static visual effect appears on the object's surface. Uh, it can be a picture, up to 25 words of text, line shapes, or a mixture of these elements. So um, basically at the first level, you just get to do fun random shit with random objects that are non-magical yeah. and tiny. Um, which... If you don't have something called a sending stone, which basically allows you to talk to people wherever the fuck you're at as long as the yeah. other person has one, this is a fun way to like pass messages back and forth. If somebody yeah. also doesn't have the ability to like telepathically like passing talk notes to party, on a rock. Yeah, you can just like, or you, <laughs> I love the idea of Im- having multiples of these rocks on you at all times, and then like whenever you need to say something in combat, like throwing the that particular <laughs> rock, like taking the time to open your pouch and look for the right rock that says like help, and throwing it at your teammate. That's- very and it funny. hits them, and it just says, help. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, I think I'm funny. Um, so the biggest difference about the art of, the artificers compared to a lot of other spellcasting classes is that their tools are required to do their to do their spells because every one of their spells basically is like them with a hammer and a piece of metal. They tap it, it goes. Yeah. Um, they have their own cantrips, which is also really cool. They have their own artificer spell list like a lot of other things do. Um, so they... Also prepare spells like every other spell casting thing, whatever, whatever. Um, you can cast an artificer spell as a ritual. If the spell has a ritual tag and you have the spell prepared, that basically means that you can cast it without needing its spell slot, which is kind of cool. Second level, you've gained the ability to imbue mundane items with magical infusion, turning those objects into magical items. Um, and then there is a list of infusions. So um, at the third well, I'm not going to go over the infusing of an item, but you basically get to give them different properties. Um, so the infusion also is it disappears after a number of days equal to your intelligence modifier. You can infuse more than one thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Yeah. So at the third level, you choose the type of specialist you are. So it's essentially like, what things do I like to tinker on the most? Mm-hmm. There's alchemist, there's armor, there's artillerist, there's battlesmith, um, and then it looks like some other things are kind of homebrewy. There's also forge adept, uh, master maker, maverick, archivist, armor. So all of these things, all these subclasses are basically like, how do you like to tinker? So an alchemist, it's going to be more chemical stuff, um, like throwing potions at people, crafting potions mid-combat, yeah. um, using chemicals to like create really powerful effects. Armor is going to like be Like Honey more... Lemon from Big Hero 6. Yeah, like Honey Lemon. Armor is going to be more like buffing your allies a lot, creating really powerful sets of armor for your, your allies, also making your armor do things for you in combat, which is really cool. Artillerist, it's, you know, artillerist, Guns. artillery... You're launching rockets and missiles and grenades at people, um, which is just fun. You basically just get to be like a high damage guy in the back who's like setting up his mortar as everybody else is going yeah. into combat and just firing like fucking wild battlesmith. You're running in there with like a hammer, a suit of like a suit of armor on, and a little tech gadget in your right hand that like shoots people with lasers or some stupid shit. So on and so forth. You get the idea. Um, so at third level, you've learned how to produce exactly the tool you need. With Thieves' Tools or Artesian Tools in hand, you can magically create one set of Artesian Tools in an unoccupied space. This creation requires an hour of uninterrupted work, which can coincide with a long rest or a short rest, which is nice. Um, Through the product of magic, these tools are non-magical, and they vanish when you use this feature again. So what that basically means, because it's not very specific, if you find a door, and the door has a really, 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 really big lock on it that your rogue for some reason cannot seem to pick through and your wizard cannot find a spell for... And for some reason, you also have an artificer in your party. Your artificer can then just a spin rogue, the... a wizard, and an artificer walk into a bar. <laughs> Which is fuck. They're all incredibly good at getting through doors. But anyways, you can basically sit down and then make the exact tool you would need to get through the door. Now, as a DM, I would not be so generous as to say you spend an hour of your time. It took like the rogue didn't break it on um, on like a twenty six sleight of hand check, and your wizard doesn't have a spell for it. So that means you just get to open the door with a fucking tool you put together in an hour? Incorrect. What I might say for that, then, is, like, you can let your rogue use the tool, and the DC goes from, like, 30 to 15. What door are they trying to get into? Sorry, I use extreme examples. It doesn't always have to be like that. It could also just be, like, you need to make a grappling gun to get across a cavern, or you need to make a, a really cool use of this is... If you have an enemy that you keep running into that for some reason your team can't seem to damage or take down, give your artificer an hour and they'll make a weapon that maybe allows them to then get through that shield or damage the enemy. Um, So they're also very utility, kind of like the wizard, but it's a little more like Tinker and a little less spell slot. Yeah. Um, At sixth level, your proficiency is now doubled for any ability check you use that uses your proficiency with a tool, considering you will be using your tools 24-7. That's pretty fucking nice. Seventh level, uh, you gain the ability to come up with solutions under pressure. When you or another creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an ability check or saving throw, you can use a reaction to add your intelligence modifier to that roll. Damn. You can use that a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So you're incentivized in this case for being smart. So where a wizard might just have a spell to heal you or give you armor, an artificer is going to say, I'm so smart. I'm going to make you smart. And because you being smarter in this instance means you don't get hit, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of fun. So there's a little bit of support in there as well. Magical item adept. When you reach level 10, you achieve a profound understanding of how to use and make magical items. You can attune up to four magical items at once. For reference, isn't it normally, is it three or two? 
I don't know. I thought it was two. I'm pretty sure you can only be attuned up to two magical items at a time, which means that um, <laughs> the wizards, not wizards, artificers just get to double that. Magical items, for anybody that isn't familiar with a magical item, are fucking broken 99% of the time. They do ridiculously crazy things. All right, we're going to try and get through this as fast as Madison has class soon. So uh, at 11th level, spell storing, you basically get to store a spell in an object, which is really cool. Um, so while holding the object, that person, a creature, can take an action to then produce the spell's effect from it, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. if you have a lot of time, you basically can give each of your party members an object uh, with one of your spells in it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, there's a, a feature similar to that for the subclass of wizard um, called tech, or Chronomancy, which you basically get to do the same thing, but with beads. Um, so Artificer just does this in a little more official way. Um, at the 14th level, your skills with magical items deepens even more. You can tune up to five magical items at once, which is God nuts. Damn. You ignore all class, race, spell, and level requirements on attuning or using a magical item. <laughs> so that means, say that your party has a magical item that they picked up and they just haven't gotten rid of that says you need to have a... Make sure I read that right. Yeah. Let's say that it, uh, the, the requirement is that you have to be level 20, you have to be a dragon, and you have to be a barbarian because it's like some big dragon boy's magical item. Like it's their fucking claw or some you shit. You could just say no. You can say no and attune to it anyways. It, it, what's crazier about this is if it's five magical items, that's like a helmet, a chest piece, a set of boots, a set of gauntlets, and a weapon. <laughs> You're like a- You're Iron Man. Yeah, you can basically turn yourself into Iron Man, which is what the whole fucking class is. Starting at the 18th level, that number goes up again. Six magical items at once. You have, you're now dual wielding two <laughs> magical items in both hands and have a full suit of set, a full set of magical armor. It's like magical nunchucks. 20th level, you develop a mystical connection to your magic items, which allows you, which you can draw on for protection. You gain a plus one to all bonus saving throws per magic item you're currently attuned to. So if you're attuned to six. So six. Plus six to every saving throw. Every saving throw, because you've magically attuned to six of them. And let me remind you that he can, the artificer can make magical items. You don't even have to find cool stuff. <laughs> you can just turn rocks into magic items and then have them on your person and like spend the time to attune with them. And then just get a plus six? And then just get a plus six. I have six magical rocks. I'm good friends with all of them. They all say different things. I have a plus six. Fuck you. <laughs> you might have to work with your DM a little bit because the artificer abilities doesn't necessarily make them do that exactly, but I would allow that to happen. Um, and then the That's other thing amazing. says, if you would be reduced to zero hit points but not killed outright, you can use a reaction to end one of your artificer infusions, causing you to drop to one instead of zero hit points. So let's say you, you have do that for every. So infusion? you have like six infusions out on each item you're wearing. Every time somebody tries to knock you to zero and not outright killed, you can say nope one. <laughs> Next item nope one up to six times. You just get to nope your DM's damage five different times. That's fun. Yeah. I, honestly, I kind of want to play an artificer after reading this because that sounds I, I, so So do fun. I. That sounds sick as hell. All right. Next, and the last thing to get through very quickly is Bloodhunter. Okay, Shout out we're to- We're going to skim this one. Critical Role, I'm pretty sure, are the ones that came up with Bloodhunter. If anybody has yep. seen the Witcher series on Netflix or played the games, they're witchers. They're monster hunters. They like using silver weapons. They like hunting monsters. They get their fighting style. They're kind of like a fighter spinoff, but we're given their own class because why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Constitution, reading through things, alchemist supplies, saving throws, or dexterity and intelligence. Um, again, is interesting. Equipment, uh, martial light or two simple weapons, a light crossbow and 20 bolts or a hand crossbow, leather, armor, explorer's pack. So they have one of the most stacked equipment lists out there. They get a lot of things. First level, Hunter's Bane. You've survived the Hunter's Bane, a dangerous, long-guarded ritual that alters your life 
it's basically the Witcher thing where you give them a bunch of poisons, and if they don't die, they come out big and strong. Same thing with Halo and all the other fucking games and magical series that are yeah. like, oh, you survived a hard thing, you're crazy now. Same shit. Um, so Hunter's Bane also... So basically what that does is you have advantage on wisdom slash survival checks to track fey, fiends, or undead, as well as on intelligence checks to recall information about creatures. Hunter's Bane also empowers your body to control and shape Hemocraft magic, using your own blood and life essence to fuel your abilities. Some of the features require your targets to make a saving throw to resist this effect. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So basically, they get access to what are called Hemocraft spells. They use their own life to then cast spells, but those spells are really, really cool. So at the first level, on top of that, you also get something called Blood Maldict, where basically... Um, you know a blood curse, and I'm not going to go over the blood curses because there are also a lot of them, but it basically just means that you get to cast curses for free. Um, oh, yeah. And then you can amplify them. So this is where the Hemocraft things come in. You can then use what are called Hemocraft die or sac or take necrotic damage to then empower those curses to a further level. So it allows you to upcast, like the kind of like the Warlock, but at the, at the expense of your own life, which if you're a healthy character, who the fuck cares? Um, you get the Max same thing. Max out your con. <laughs> Max out your con. Max out your con, stab yourself. Fighting style, same thing with fighters, second level, archery, dueling, great weapon fighting, two weapon fighting. Y'all understand where it's going. Crimson right, second level, you uh, you learn to invoke a right of Hemocraft that infuses your weapon strikes with elemental energies. As a bonus action, you can activate any right you know on one weapon you're holding. It lasts until you finish a long or short rest. When you activate a right, you take necrotic damage equal to one roll of your Hemocratic die. So, I don't understand a whole lot about this class. This is the first time I've read a lot of it, but from my understanding, a Hemocratic die is something you get additional to, like, your hit die. So you can roll your Hemocratic die instead of taking necrotic damage, or it, look, it looks like, in some cases, when you roll that die, you take damage equal to what it rolls. That's cool. Um, so, some of the rights you can perform on your weapons, your right damage is fire, cold, lightning, necrotic, psychic, or thunder. Um, it looks like the last three are locked at the 14th level, but what that means is that if you find out, a lot of creatures that you're going to fight, even humans, are going to have some sort of vulnerability or weakness. And if you roll, which it looks like this class is very geared towards finding out what that is very quickly and with advantage, you can then perform your right to give your weapon the kind of damage that that creature is vulnerable to. That's um, nice. So it basically, I mean, you're a monster hunter, so the whole idea is that, like, you you know what you're fighting, and if you don't know what you're fighting, you're going to figure it out very quickly and then adjust your abilities and your weapons to then kind of be able to fight that thing. At third level, you commit to an order of blood hunters um, that it guided you through your life, blah, 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 blah. Ghost Slayer, Lycan, Mutant, Profane Soul. I'm not going to go and read them all. It sounds like Ghost Slayer. You like to hunt ghosts. It sounds like Lycan. You probably are a werewolf or imbue yourself with some sort of werewolf powers. Mutant, same thing. Profane Soul, probably something like more heretical or some shit like that. They get an extra attack. Again, they're fighters, but a different class. Uh, Brain of Cast Digitation, 6th level when you damage a creature with a weapon, for which you have an act of Crimson Rite. You can channel Hemocratic Magic to sear an Arcane Brand into that creature with no action required. You always know the direction to the branded creature as long as it's on the same plane as you, and each time a branded creature deals damage to you or a creature you see within five feet, the branded creature takes psychic damage equal to your Hemocratic modifier. So basically, you hit somebody, you don't want them to get away. You brand them, you sacrifice some of your health. Anytime they hit you or somebody else, they're going to take damage equal to your, uh, your Hemocratic dice, or you can basically just track them forever as long as they don't plane shift. Goddamn. Yeah, you're a monster hunter. Uh, Grim Psychometry. When you reach the ninth level, you gain a supernatural talent for discerning the secrets surrounding mysterious relics or places touched by evil. 
When you make an intelligence slash history check to recall information about the sinister or tragic history of an object you are touching or your current location, you have advantage. Um, and then it says, on at the DM's discretion, a suitably high roll might cause your character to experience brief visions of the past connected with that object or location. Another fun Witcher feat. Truly, this is just the Witcher. Somebody wanted to play the Witcher, um, which makes sense. Critical Role, high fantasy stuff. So basically, you get to say, I want to know what the history of this object is. You touch it, you roll a natural 20, you get to see everything that happened with it, which is really cool. Damn. 10th level, Dark Augmentation. The magic of Hemicraft suffuses your body to permanently reinforce your resilience. Your speed is upped by 5 feet. You have a bonus to strength dex and constitution saving throws equal to your hemocratic modifier. It's cool. Brand of Tethering. Starting at the 13th level, psychic damage from your brand of cast digitation increases to twice your hemocratic modifier. Additionally, a branded creature cannot take the dash action, and if it attempts to teleport or leave its current planes by any means, it takes 4d6 psychic damage and must make a wisdom saving throw. On failure, the attempt to teleport or leave the plane fails. Um, So... My understanding of this class so far is you know how to kill creatures, you lock it on one particular creature, you hit the shit out of it by uh, casting your right to know what vulnerability it has, and then you brand it so that if that motherfucker attempts to leave or hit you or do anything you don't want it to do... Motherfucker's going down. Incorrect. (laughs) It's not going far. 14th level, hardened soul. You have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and frightened. It's kind of a eh, 14th level spell or 14th level feature, but we'll take it. And then at the 20th level, Sanguine Mastery. Your mastery of blood magic reaches its height, mitigating your sacrifice and empowering your expertise. Once per turn, whether a blood hunter feature, whenever a blood hunter feature requires you to roll a Hemocraft die, you can re-roll the die and use the other. Uh, additionally, when you score a critical hit for a weapon of which you have an active crimson right, you regain one expended use of your blood maledict feature. So basically what the 20th level feature allows you to do is it ties in a lot of your other abilities so that you can gain things back when you hit things by using things that you use as the class. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically kind of get to like put your character in sort of a loop where you get to do a lot of your powerful magics for hitting people. Oh my god. I ain't talking so fast. I know I talk fast. This was even faster than usual. <laughs> um, it looks like the, the one thing I did miss is that the, the order thing that I mentioned earlier where you pick the order. It looks like at certain levels you get another order feature. I didn't feel like clicking on the link to then go and read what the orders were. Yeah. We don't really have the time for it. But you basically get bonuses for having a subclass like every other every other class. Hell yeah. And with that, uh, 10 minutes before Madison has to go to class, I think this is b- probably our longest episode. If I had to guess, we're close to an hour and 40. Um, I, if think not we're, an I think hour we might be 30. at two hours. Yeah, let's, let's, take a, let's take a gander real quick if this fucking Mac wants to work. What are we at? Does it say? Hour 53. Hour and 53. We're almost at two hours. Woo! There you go, Dakota. <laughs> Our roommate has been like, man, you guys should do longer episodes. Why aren't you doing longer episodes? Because we didn't want to bore fucking people with like two hours Info of dumping. content. But I guess depending on how well this goes, maybe we'll start doing more two-hour episodes. It just kind of depends on what you guys like. If not, we'll drop back to closer to an hour. Can you believe that we thought about trying to make these 30 to 40 minutes in the beginning? And then our first episode went to 45 minutes, and we were like, okay, I guess we're shooting for 45. And then it went to 50, yeah. and we were like, okay, I guess if it's under an hour. And then it went to an hour and 10, and we we're like, well, I guess if it's not that far over an hour. These, This is two people with severe time blindness. Yeah. 
Um, another heads up, this <laughs> this episode might have some weird audio mixing. The first half of it might be a little quieter than the second half of it. Somebody's also complained, shout out to Dakota, that our <laughs> episodes are too quiet, even though I have turned the audio on this bitch all the way up. So the first half was recorded with everything turned down. The second half was recorded with everything turned up. So if it's a little odd, blame him. I'm not going to dox that him and give out his said, last name, that but it's his said. fault. No, do give you us made that criticisms decision. and you like made suggestions. That decision, okay, give us like give us feedback. This isn't that to will say help that we don't improve like feedback. everything. Feedback is nice. It's just don't I be can, scared away from it I can because rag, Robert's yelling. I can rag on my roommate because I live with him. I will not rag on you if you send in. An, criticism or a suggestion or so on and so forth speaking of which please do that um send in suggestions topics you'd like us to cover so on and so forth but with that we're gonna go ahead and end thank you all for tuning in to our longest episode we will see you next thursday we'll talk quite sure what the theme is gonna be yet we're gonna figure that out when we get there yep uh probably more about character creation stuff don't worry we'll hop off the wagon eventually but oh yeah for now we're stuck on it so again thank you for tuning in we will see you later see you guys